Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 229, right here on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of Sifted, and you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. Alongside me today to talk about really, really big stuff in the gaming industry is Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Oh, not much. Getting some pre-orders done. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about that. It's been quite an adventure trying to get a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. It's been crazy. The whole world has been in line overnight, it seems. It does feel that way. For like several days, it feels like to me, actually. Um, You guys are probably wondering, why the hell is Shane back in the studio? How the hell did this happen? Well, that's because we don't have a TriCaster TD. And we're in a weird position because the way we do Game Face Live is our TriCaster TD comes in here by his or herself. Um, And I am home a couple miles away. Matt's at his place several miles away. So we have to be able to trust our TD to come in, be around really expensive equipment, lock up the door, and leave. And the problem is, is that we can't just hire someone off the street to do that. So that's the problem we have with Game Face right now. Uh, Jared does look like he'll be back pretty soon. We might have to do one more episode like this uh, next week. But the good news is we're getting the episode out to you early, and it is a rare Game Face that is in 1080p. Uh, so hopefully you guys will enjoy that. We have a lot of great B-roll on the show today that you guys will get to see in all its 1080p glory. So we have a great show. Just huge, huge stuff has been happening all freaking week. Uh, and we're very excited to discuss it with you guys. Uh, before we do that, though, here is a word from our sponsor. Do you live life outdoors? The Shazer Ryan Realty has a nice level lot just outside of Libby, Montana. That's perfect for you. With access to Crystal Lake via shared dock and boat ramp, it's an ideal location to build the getaway home of your dreams or just park your RV. Enjoy fishing, paddleboarding, kayaking, boating, and more just a few steps away. It can be yours for just $72.5. No matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. Even if you're not looking for property in Montana, he can connect you with local realtors in your area who can help you. If you want to see more, head over to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring Game Face. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to figure out how to sponsor the show, just head to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Sifted. Also, I should mention, you can find Matt on Twitter at MKyle. If you can't see the graphics below his beautiful face there on the screen, uh, it's time to discuss our poll of the week. This actually ended up becoming a poll, the poll of a week and a half because we didn't do an episode last week. So this poll has been up on the site for a, a while. Uh, no surprise, it is the poll with the most results or the most votes we've ever had. Uh, but there was a lot more time involved with that, so it's not a surprise. But the poll is very, very simple. Xbox Series X or Xbox Series S? That was it. Choose. Um, basically, after all the chips were on the table with the pricing and everything... We just wanted to get a lay of the land. And I'm not surprised by the overall results. Uh, Xbox Series X was the winner with 78% of the vote. Xbox Series S obviously got 22% of the vote. Are you surprised by that at all? No. No? Especially especially not with our audience. I mean, I actually we're... thought that Series X might be higher with our audience. Mm-hmm. I thought it might be closer to like 85 or 90%, to be honest. I'm kind of surprised that that many really, and I mean, our audience is the core of the core. 
I am surprised that that many um, of our users were interested in buying the cheaper version, but it is so much cheaper that it is an enticing proposition, which is what we talked about last week. Uh, we do have, you don't have a 4K TV. Yep. Um, and again, I'm going to talk about 4K TVs when we talk about pre-ordering uh, the PS5 and Xbox Series X, which is coming up in just a second. Uh, we do have great comments from you guys. Even though the poll was kind of lopsided, you guys did kind of express opinions that would represent Xbox Series S. Uh, the first one comes from With Sword and Gun. Uh, he or she says, I spent a stupid amount for a new OLED TV. Even though PS5 will be my main console, an extra $200 is worth the cost to take full advantage of the next-gen consoles and my new TV. I am in the same boat. I have finally started shopping for a 4K TV. I, I've reached the point where I, I have to own one. Uh, if I want to be able to do this job, I have to have a 4K TV at this point. So I've started shopping. If any of you guys have recommendations, uh, feel free to put them down in the comments. You guys know tech just as well as I do. Uh, and you may have had more time to research than I have. So if you have any recommendations, put them in there. Uh, but Matt, do you think a lot of people are going to look at it this way? Everyone's going to kind of, this is like the big 4, 4K upgrade for a lot of people. Um, I think the, I think like our people like us, people, our audience uh, will do that. I don't know about the, like the public in general. Um, but I think you're mostly dealing with people more like us in terms of like launch audience. Yeah. So I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if, if people were picking up 4K TVs alongside these things or had already done so in preparation for these things yeah. or had everything kind of on the same list. Best Buy doing it's a big a, sale today for, for on yeah. 4K TVs. So the retailers have figured it out and they're starting to do promotions just for these launches. I, however, would recommend probably waiting until Black Friday. I don't know if we're even going to have like a normal Black Friday this year. But I guarantee the discounts and the deals are going to be there. So I would recommend waiting for that personally. Um, but there are some good deals out there already if you want to jump right away. So, uh, Although if the, if the functioning of the websites uh, the last week have been any indication, um, good luck. Yeah. So you're, no, we'll you're see. right. You're absolutely right. Uh, great comment from with Sword and Gun. Next is from Commander Fett. He says, and I believe it is a he, uh, I chose the Series S, but I have a PC, so there's no reason for me to buy either since Microsoft brings all the games to PC the same day as Xbox. And I think he also represents a pretty big chunk of gamers who are like, I'm not going to buy a PlayStation for whatever reason. I maybe would have considered an Xbox, but why do I need one now? Because I can play everything on my PC. And if you've invested a lot of money in a gaming rig, I could totally get it. I mean, if you yeah. spend a couple Gs building a gaming PC... I could totally see why you would laugh at these brand new consoles. So I get that perspective as well. I don't think Microsoft would disagree. Really. No, I think they're okay with that. That's what they want you to do. As long as you're buying the games and you're giving them money somehow, I think they're totally okay with it. Uh, next up, from Ollie John, he says, uh, the price per performance is on the X's side. Uh, buying S is long in long term will bring so many problems. So he's saying that, sure, Xbox Series S sounds like a good deal right now, but in two or three years' time, you're probably going to regret picking up the weaker console. Do you agree with that? I mean, yeah. I mean, certainly for for my purposes, especially because I do have a 4K TV. I think if I think that's the key is if you don't have a 4K TV, yeah, the S is probably a safe bet, and don't plan on upgrading. Like I think the S is a pretty safe bet. Like, yeah. And by the way, t today I saw at Best Buy. An LED TV, 65 inches, for $599. Now, it's not an OLED. It's not the bleeding-edge crazy tech, but 
$600 for a 65-inch 4K LED TV, mm-hmm. that's pretty tempting. So Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not necessarily good, but there are a couple brands where if you get the right deal, um, like there was... I, I, TCL TVs are a really good deal. Um, they're a company yes. from China that uses the same panels as the more expensive brands, uh, but they just manufacture them themselves and put them out, and they have spec-wise... They're up to par with the best HGTVs, but they're like half the price. I'm not exaggerating, like half yeah. the price. TCL is like, I, I did some research on these earlier stuff earlier this year for for some people who are also considering this. And uh, they, uh, I, I ended up landing on TCL as my recommendation. Yeah. And uh, they've been good. We got they, my mom a new TV for Christmas last year. We finally replaced her old Panasonic 720p TV. Uh, we got her a 60-something-inch TCL, and she freaking loves it. It has everything else that all the other TVs have, all the connectivity, all that stuff. Uh, she loves it, and it's been great for almost a year now. So definitely a company to keep an eye on. I believe it right now it is the world's fastest-growing flat panel company. So people are slowly figuring it out. Uh, the last one comes from Tosca, and here she says, I cannot choose one of the options. I just do not see the value at the moment to buy an Xbox Series S or X. Ask me again in two years when Microsoft First Party is ready to go. Another benefit of waiting, you get the consoles cheaper. Again, hard to argue against that logic. Um, I do wonder, now this comment was made before the big Bethesda news was announced. Um, I don't know that it changes his comment that much, though, because the stuff from Bethesda is still going to be a ways down the road. So I totally get his perspective. Um... I don't know that I could go without buying one or the other at launch, PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X or S. Um, mm. Even if I didn't have to do it for my job, I would have a really hard time fighting the urge to buy one of these, for sure. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't pass up the PlayStation 5. Nope. Like, I, I could easily wait on the Xbox. Because he's um, right. It is going to take a couple years for all this stuff to come to fruition. But then, and maybe then, to Ollie John's point... When the good stuff is coming out, that's when your Series S is going to start looking a little, a little long in the tooth. Um, yeah, but also, if you have a PC, like that's the thing is like there's no compelling reason to have an Xbox if you have a capable PC. Yeah. Um, and you're willing to, you know, upgrade it or or keep up with the Joneses on that. Whereas PlayStation, you know, when you really come down to it, there is one exclusive launch title between these two systems, and it is Demon Souls. Yeah. Um, everything else is playable on other platforms. Yep, and we'll get to um, that too. That has so, caused quite an uproar over the last like week. I know on Sip that it did. It's one of the weirdest launch situations of all time, where like, you know, like there isn't really a super great reason to throw that money at these things this year. <laughs> I know, I know, I totally get it. And as I was clicking submit today for my Xbox Series X, it it did flash into my mind: Do mm-hmm. I need this? Like, even for my work, do I need it? And I do. So I took the plunge. I got them both. And that segues very nicely into the first topic for episode 229, which is console pre-orders. Thankfully, this is something that we only have to do once every five to seven years. And I tweeted this, I believe, this morning. uh, Because it is a freaking nightmare. A complete Mm -hmm. and utter debacle. I I almost quit. I did quit. So PlayStation 5. Let's let's talk about how they were both handled and then try to figure out maybe how you solve this going forward. So PlayStation 5, 
they had said, hey, next week, pre-orders. The retailers were like, F you, I'm putting them up right now. And it just turned into this scattershot sequence of well, one it, retailer going tomorrow. up. What'd you say? They said tomorrow. Right. It was supposed to happen tomorrow. But as soon as the, the thing was over, the retailers were like, F you, we're putting them up right now. And so well, it, GameStop went went rogue. It went first. Yeah. And then everybody else was like, well, we're not missing out on this. So they all went live. And it just became like every 40 minutes, like a new retailer was coming online with PlayStation 5 pre-orders. And the websites were a disaster. So... I don't know how many times I thought 100% I had a PlayStation 5 and you would get to the end where you have to put in your address or where or the final page where you put in your payment details and click submit. I had websites hanging on every one of those pages like at least 10 times a piece. Um, stuff's in your cart. You go to pay for it. They're like, there's nothing in your cart. Like I, It is crazy to me that all these websites were not prepared to do this properly and to ensure that their website did not crash. Now, ironically, the good news for me was that Best Buy crashed immediately. And I spent a lot of time on Best Buy trying to get a PS5, going through the Mm -hmm. process like five, six times. Would never work. I'd always get to where I'd have to pay, and it would say there's nothing in your cart, or they'd say the item's no longer available. I gave up. I was so angry that I had spent all day trying to get a PS5, never got it. 1 a.m., I'm like, I'm going to bed. But something just told me to refresh Best Buy one last time. I hadn't even tried for hours. And I stumble back to the PC in the spare bedroom. I click refresh, and there it is. A a link to pre-order it. I'm like, okay, I've been through this before. This isn't going to work. Click it. Everything just goes like lightning, and I get it. Boom. Just total luck. Me not giving up is part of it because I could have easily just crawled to bed and been like, I lost. But I gave it one last chance and I got a PS5. Now you had better luck, right? Yeah. I mean, I did end up with the same situation with Best Buy, like with the thing. It was in the cart and it wouldn't check out. I mean, I must have just sat there trying to check out through the cart. I hit that same button. 40, 50 times. Oh, I wouldn't like, quit. I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep clicking this uh, freaking button. Target, Target was already gone by the time I even, because I, I'd gone gone out. Uh, to the store and I came back and suddenly and I sat down and suddenly it's like it's like oh um yeah the pre-orders are up I'm like what the fuck like yep. I, I, I had no idea I mean I like, don't have time to sit at home all day yeah. or night and just refresh Twitter like yeah so I some so people I, do I, I don't on and I I went through Walmart you know, I did it you know Walmart was the same deal I had it in a in a cart and wouldn't say oh there's nothing in your cart or it's we yeah we just that's my favorite is like Walmart had this thing it's like we just found out this is sold out. I'm like, oh, you just found that out. Yeah, you knew that before I added it to my cart, bro. Target like, never <laughs> had anything. By the time I, by the time I knew this was happening, Target was gone. Um, and then at some point, Wario 64, uh, who I, you know, I, I switched to like notification status on. <laughs> That's a good um, person for that for this week. Popped up a tweet that was like, it's like, like, there's some on Amazon, and I clicked the thing on Amazon. It was literally like a link that it wasn't even a link that took you to like the the, the landing page of the of the product. It just it went to a thing and it just said, are you sure you want to add this to your cart? And I said, yes. And then it went to the checkout phase. There was a PlayStation 5 in there and I clicked yes and I got it. So that was that. So, so we both that. got them around. Yeah, yeah. After all the hassle, we both ended up scoring yeah. a PS5 so, I mean, and on day one. we Well, I guess mine was day two technically because it was 1 a.m. Yeah. But. So, and the other one. So I did earlier get one through GameStop. 
because after a while they put up their bundles. Oh right, um, yeah, where you have to wants. buy a bunch of stuff right. you don't want. So it's like seven hundred and fifty dollar bundle that includes like Spider Man and that stupid demolition game no one cares about. Probably a controller, a uh, controller, a charging thing, and like a year of PlayStation Plus. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, nothing else. Well, that's that's something. Yeah, and like no one was. Those are selling. That stuff has value still, you know. So I got got it through that, and the other problem, the two problems with that. The first is that um, the, the the it warned you on the things like this bundle will ship like two days after launch. Uh huh. Like so, you I saw one retailer wanted five dollars extra to get it to you on launch day. Yeah, I think that Walmart was Walmart. That. Yeah. yeah, I made it through so that step, like, but never got one. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay, well, you know, having one a couple days late with a stupid bundle is better than nothing. So I'll go ahead and do it. Yeah. And I go through, and the, and the site, the GameStop site, is going so slow and glitchy, like it's auto-completing like the address and stuff, and it's like. It, you know, I can't read it because the, the 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 like the little widget has glitched. So yeah, it's just kind of garbled, and so I finally get get through it, and I and it goes again. Like here here okay, here's your order number. Cool, I got it. And the ship, my billing address is correct, but my shipping address is my address in Los Angeles, but in Azusa, California. Oh God. And I'm like, are you? And oh, then I go, what a there's nightmare! No, and there's no way to change it on the website. <laughs> so I, I can change my billing address, but I can't change the shipping address. So. And of course, everyone in the world is calling them. Oh yeah, like, yeah, they can't help you right now. So the next, so the next day, I went and I called, um, I called them uh, through their number, and they actually did. They it was pretty simple. They, they changed, updated it. They changed it to the correct address, uh, the correct city, I should say, and um, and it was fine. So I do have two uh, on order. The bundle, uh, um, you know, I, I, if someone wants that, I will basically give it to them. Um, you know, if, if someone, you know, my, if my friend, I have a friend who probably wants it, so she'll probably get it that way. You won't have any problems um, getting rid of it. I doubt it. <laughs> no, uh, definitely but not. Like, but then I got the Amazon one after. So the Amazon one I got between shipping it to Azusa and fixing the thing. So I got the Amazon <laughs> one and I'm like, okay, just in Amazon case. one yeah. is like, well, the Amazon one, not only is it just in case, but it's like Amazon will probably get that to me ship launch day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I got my, whereas Switch GameStop might I, show up later. Right. Yeah. I mean, GameStop basically guarantees it'll be later because of the, Oh, right. Thing. Right. So the, it says it right on the thing. So, um, and Amazon, I had, you know, I ordered the Switch and the PS4 launch through Amazon, and I got the same email everybody got for this one that says, like, oh, it might not be there on launch day. There's shipping problems. It might happen. Like, that's just an automated email covering their ass. Like, I got both the Switch and the PS4 on launch day. No problem from them. Yep. Um, so I don't, I, you know, and I doubt So basically anyone, you're telling people don't sweat it. <laughs> if you got that email, so. like, don't if, sweat if it. If you got that thing on day, if you got that thing on the day one or day two of pre-orders, I think you're getting one launch day. Yeah, I yeah. Well, they've also said like, that there's going to be way more than there were at PS4 launch. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't get too downtrodden if you haven't got one just, yet. A lot of this is bots, like, buying up tons of stock. And the other part is... Um, allocation like no one knows what allocation is like the only, yeah. the only stores we have allocation numbers for are GameStops because like basically individual managers are leaking numbers and like a lot yeah. of those GameStop stores are getting six like six PS5s for, for their store. I saw some really signs like on Twitter where they're like we have four so yeah. don't stand in line all night. <laughs> yeah it's crazy and like and on top of that like it seems like a lot of people wanted the digital one but the digital one seems to be manu- being manufactured far less than mm. the disc one. Interesting. Um, the rumors were 80-20 uh, ratio in mm-hmm. favor of the disc. 
so if you want a digital one, I mean that's right. That's what our data says unsifted yeah. from our poll. It's eighty twenty. That's pretty yeah, much that, what that it is. is. Supposedly what they're manufacturing them in that ratio. So okay. if you want a digital one, it may be a harder get. That's what I'm saying. Okay, let's trans um, so. let's transfer over to Xbox Series X pre-orders. So it had the benefit of watching what happened with PlayStation Five and seeing the response online where people were like, "This is un, un like inexcusable, unacceptable." And so it said, look, we're going to tell our retailers that they all have to start today, which is Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. And they followed that. However, the problem is that when you give people the heads up, so Matt was talking earlier about scalpers and bots, when they know the time, the exact time and day that stuff is going to go live for pre-sale, they can line up all their tech to take advantage of it. And so I do wonder if today's sale of Xbox Series X was a whole lot of bots and scalpers. Because I think there was a lot of that. It sold, ju it like it. sold just as fast as PS5. Um, it seems to be sold out everywhere already. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a little bit. Like, I will say... Um... Some of it was just website fuckery, um, like, and I don't, I can't compare directly to Target. Microsoft's own website crashed. Yeah, how can you um, do that if you're Microsoft? Not have enough servers spun up to support the pre-sales of Xbox Series X. I mean, if enough people, especially if enough bots, are trying to like force their way through your queue, yeah, like I guess it are, doesn't matter. You're basically getting DDoS. You're getting DOS, yeah. Yeah, and like. So I didn't. So I don't know. I can't compare directly Target um, because Target was sold out of, of PS5s and never got any more. While I was trying to get, you know, that was long gone by the time I realized PS5s had gone live. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I tried. You know, I tried to do Walmart and Target at the same time, basically, because Best Buy and Me Amazon too. didn't go up. I know until way and, later. And GameStop, I'm like, fuck that. You know, GameStop had you in like a virtual line. I'm like, that's not going to work. And when when I I made it through the virtual that. line and it crashed. <laughs> I got to the virtual line and it the the page it left you know because it's like oh you're in line okay here you yeah. go here's your here's your thing you're waiting for and it threw me up on the Xbox like like plug and play recharger kit because uh, like there was nothing left that's why there was nothing there yeah and then the the so on Target I was trying to hit pre order item and it wouldn't do any it just didn't do anything and then if I hit it more than once it said you've got you've got in your cart already and then you go to your cart and it would say cart empty. Is that what's happening to, to you? Cart and it had two in it. Oh, I would have nothing. And then, it's like, and then it's like you can't buy two of these. I'm like, I know. I'm trying to <laughs> Let me one take one out. It wouldn't it? Wouldn't delete them. So I was yeah. just sitting there, and I and eventually I started. I'm like, I'll just get two, I guess, if it lets me, and it wouldn't yeah. like out. And Walmart wouldn't check. It was the same thing as the PS5. Just you know, we, oh, we can't, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't yep. do it. It's gone. I failed at both those places, and I went to Amazon and I started searching for Xbox Series X, and at first. Nothing came up. I waited about 40 minutes. I searched for it again, and the page came up. However, if you clicked on it, it would say, oops, you found some place that doesn't work, and you shouldn't yeah. be here. And so, dog pictures. And, so, and here's the weird part, Matt. If I would click the search button on Amazon, it would not bring up the page. If I had no. Xbox Series X typed into search and hit enter, it would bring up the page. And I just kept refreshing it until finally... The link appeared to buy it. I clicked it, and I had it. I literally may be one of the first people to buy an Xbox Series X on Amazon. I'm sure like 5,000 people did the same thing I did and maybe slid in before me, but I was there the second it went on sale on Amazon, and I got one. So 
I'm good. I got both the PS5 and the Series X. And you got yours from Amazon as well? Yeah, I because I had the Oreo 64 had put up like landing page links anyway. And so I had the the Xbox. His one, link for Amazon was broken, though. It was constantly broken, but eventually yeah. refreshing it brought it up. Oh, OK. And it just it was just here's the pre-order thing. So yep. I just hit it and went through. Done. Yeah. And so and I did send you the link to that afterwards. But you did. Yeah. And I was like, I already got it. I was on it. And it's literally the second the, that I finished my sale. I went on Twitter and Provided the link and said, Amazon is live. Go, go, go. So I hope some of you guys well, got it from that. I kept an eye on that. after and that, that pre-order link, that pre-order page stayed live for about 10 minutes. Did it? Um, so it did not instantly go away on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and then it did It did go into currently unavailable. And then about, uh, about 10 minutes later, it came back to pre-order status. And then it went away after like five minutes. So it total um, lasted so it, about it 20 fast, minutes. <laughs> but it didn't go PS5 fast okay. on Amazon. Okay. What I saw. So the question now becomes, how do you do this, Matt? Because we saw the PlayStation way, which was just let let it be wild and whatever happens, happens. I mean, I don't think that was Sony's plan. I don't either. I don't either. I don't either. But, well, I mean, Xbox managed to get retailers to come to heel somehow. But, like, they still didn't all go at the same time. But as long as they didn't go early. I mean, yeah. that was the problem for PlayStation. It's like people were just caught off guard. I mean, a lot of a lot of people will set aside time in a day to pre-order something like this. And if you're just going about your day working and all of a sudden you see on Twitter from Wario64 that pre-sales are live, you're like, what the F? What is going on here? So I'm just surprised that anybody followed GameStop's lead on that one because it's like it's not like you're not going to sell them. I know. Guys. I don't get it either. Are you afraid you're not going to yeah. sell all your PS5s? Like, like if anything, it's sell- better to wait. Well, maybe it is better to put them up when other retailers are going because maybe it keeps your site from crashing and you not looking so bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it and like Amazon. I mean, Amazon didn't put theirs up for the PS5 for hours. I know like it was, it was, it was much way later. Late. And then and then Walmart did that thing where they put more up at like 6 p.m. Yep. and they were they were gone in like 30 seconds. Like yeah. it was just before you could even get through the the process of clicking to the cart, like it was over. It was just it was amazing i saw cheap ass um, gamer said that um and i didn't even realize that you know his retail site was big enough to even get like launch units but he said that they do have an allotment and that 99 percent of the sales were the disc-based version one percent was mm-hmm. the all digital for ps5 so i mean that makes sense to me i yeah yeah i, I don't know why you wouldn't want i mean 100 bucks off is nice but like even at cheap ass gamer disc. people didn't want the cheaper yeah. version <laughs> So back to the question, what is the answer to this, Matt? And again, we're lucky we don't have to deal with this again. Well, a new Switch will probably come out here in the next couple of years. But yeah. for the most part, this we have like a seven-year moratorium on this where you don't have to worry about it. But when that time comes back around again, if there is hardware, how do you fix this? Like, how do you fix – like, I think Apple does a pretty good job of handling their pre-sales. Um, they do store, and their website is up. And you, they take your orders, and it doesn't crash, and you go on your way. And then it shows up yeah. three weeks I later mean, or whatever. The advantage that Apple has is they are only doing it through their own thing. They yeah. have full control over that. All the retail um, chains, yeah. Yeah, so with this, it's all disparate, and you don't know how Best Buy is going to handle this versus how Target's going to handle it versus how whoever. Um, I honestly don't think there's a solution to this. There I really isn't, this, I don't think. I think this is what we get. Also, I'll take this over eight hours in the fucking... It's cold waiting for a Wii. 
Yeah. Like, like this is this sucks. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, but I sat here refreshing a web page for an hour, <laughs> sitting in the, sitting in November cold overnight, trying to like get a get a 360 in a airplane hangar. Like I'm fine. See, I like that though. I like the the launch nights where you get to hang out with all the other gamers and. No, fuck that. Like, <laughs> no, like, I'm not doing, ever doing that again. Like if you give me a choice, you won't have to. But that yeah. and this. Like, not a contest at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, I had a good time waiting for the week because I was with 12 of my closest X-Play friends. Yeah. And we were mostly drinking at, at, uh, at uh, the, the bar. Yeah. But, like, um, no. Like, th- th- this is this is better. Um, and, like, I guess there's more of a fairness thing where, like, oh, if you just waste a day of your life being in line that long, you're guaranteed to get one. But, like, this Yeah, dedication doesn't mean anything with this system. Yeah. Like, this it really doesn't. Long. And, the, and you, you had, know, you had people that were like getting like, you know, getting Walmart orders through an hour after they were gone because they just kept clicking through. And eventually the, the, the ones and zeros aligned and they got it somehow. It's crazy. You know, it's like there's no perfect system. For yeah, this. I like, agree with you. I don't I've thought yeah. about it for a week and I cannot think of another way to do it. That would be much better than well, also, what's happening. Like, if now. This was if it wasn't the plague year. Yeah. Um, you yeah. could go in person and right. do some of the stuff at these stores, which also has been a solution in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's like another another issue there is like you know when the, by the time the next switch comes out, you you know part of this was all of us are stuck ordering this online for the most part. Yeah. Um, because we can't go. You know, nobody wants to be in line with a bunch of disease, possibly disease <laughs> yeah. strangers. And it has nothing to do with gamers. I mean, that's just yeah, yeah reality. Yeah, so, so I agree with you. you I don't know that there's any perfect solution to this. We may not have to worry about it because who knows if there'll even be hardware next time. So, although anyone who was worried that or, or trying to claim that uh, the Xbox was not going to be in demand, yeah, uh, well, no, I mean, we it, don't really know what percentage of that was bots. Um, we yeah, don't know for either, to be honest. I mean, it could I be mean, the I same for they're PlayStation. Both gonna, they're both going to sell out. Yeah, like well, we said that six months ago, Matt, I believe, yeah. on Game Face. We both said there, they're both going to sell out. So There was one satisfying moment this morning where, because, um, you know, a ton of people are getting these things and, and instantly putting them up on eBay mm-hmm. for $1,000, yep. you know, for double the price. Um, and I don't know how successful any of them are being at actually selling any of that, at least not yet. But so today, uh, you know, pr- traditionally, you put up the, uh, the p- a screenshot of your order like to prove you got the order or something uh, as, as I hear you're basically pre-ordering my pre-order. Right. Mm-hmm. So somebody, one guy put it up and he put, he didn't crop the order thing properly. So it had too much information on it. And someone contacted Amazon customer service and using the information from oh. the screenshot canceled the order. Oh my gosh. And so they like, oh, thanks, we got it. And they put up like a shot of their their text conversation, Amazon chat, like, where they cancel the order. So the so the one that one 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 guy trying to scalp the system for a thousand bucks or whatever, he's going to be surprised. <laughs> Texas email, I think. street justice um, <laughs> or internet yeah, so justice, little, Twitter little, justice, little vigilante internet justice for, <laughs> for one scalper out there. That was that was that was a little heartwarming to see. Like yeah, don't that. scalp these things, people. If you end up with an extra one like Matt uh, did. Try to find somebody who wants it and sell it to them for cost. Like, yeah. and honestly, like, I mean, you, I saw that a lot, like on Reset Era and Twitter and stuff, where people are like in those threads, where people are like, like, all right, I got, I got one from Target. Now I'm trying to get one from Best Buy just in case. There's no just in case. There's no just in case, people, dude. They're not gonna kill your. Like, you know, like people are like paranoid because like one guy got his Switch order canceled. It's just a convenient excuse for them to scalp a like, console. That's all it is. Yeah. 
And some people I know are just like, oh, if I get more than one, I'm just going to sell them to my friends or use them for Christmas gifts or something. That's fine. But at the same time, it's like you're wondering why everyone's going to have trouble getting them. It's not just the bosses that people are buying, putting three on order and then canceling the other two orders right before launch because they're afraid that somebody's going to one of the companies going to cancel their order. And I get it. But like at a certain point, you got to put your trust in the magic retail people. I don't I don't know. I just. Not everyone can have three PS5s pre-ordered and just in case one of them fails. I don't know what else it's say. And these things are gigantic, so if you actually go through and get them, you're not going <laughs> to be able to carry house. them yourself. <laughs> Holy shit, that thing is huge. It is shocking how big it is. Yeah, I had like to go that, measure I, my I, entertainment center. It's 15 inches when it's sideways. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be able to put this thing sideways. I, can, it, uh, I measured mine. My PS4 Pro is in there right now. It, does, it barely is half of the space. The PlayStation Five is going to fill up the whole space, so it's not even like, and it's not even like just why it's deep too. Yeah, there's like, that there's that a, a cartoon <laughs> comparison that they that went up on Twitter a couple yeah. days ago, and the top down shot. I'm like, you could you could put a place setting on that thing, <laughs> yeah. like you could eat off that as like a table, like it's ridiculous. For it's as ridiculous. expensive it is, you should you should be able to do that anyway. <laughs> I mean, right. I guess kudos to Microsoft for not being the biggest system for for once that's that yeah. ps5 is a it's monolith huge. yes it is yep no so they didn't make it black because that's what we'd all be everyone would just be touching it in, in ape costumes and playing the big zarathustra it's like astoundingly huge yep so there you go that's ps5 xbox series x pre-orders it's been a nightmare um i'll be interested to see how all you guys fared if you got one and if not how discouraged you are. In fact, the poll of the week this week that is live on the site right now is all about your PS5 and Xbox Series X pre-order experience. So get in there, uh, I vote. I don't know if anybody ordered it and like wasn't going to order it, but ordered it because like, oh my God, I can get one. Yeah. Even though you didn't know Just Im- total impulse buy because you're did like, you I know if I need to sell it, I can and make money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, did anyone yeah. get caught up in the retail hysteria and just be like, oh my God, I got it. Like, yep. I don't want it, but I have it. And now I... I'll sell it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all, what you're going to do with it. You'll make a ton of money probably. Uh, it's always dicey, though, because the shipments come in waves. And if you try to sell it when one of the waves comes in, you're not going to get much for it. Uh, if you wait whenever, like, you know, the third week of November or the first week of December, when they're in between shipments, that's when you can really make some hay yeah, with I mean, it. I do not recommend that. I am not condoning that. Yeah, you'll make, I mean, you'll make your money back. I'm sure you'll yeah. get retail for it. But, like, like with the Switch, like, I ended up with two because of a target order that I didn't think worked and that then target actually delivered it. Cause I, th- I thought they, I didn't think it happened because yeah. it, cause it didn't do anything. And then I, ch- you know, cause I didn't get an email about it. I didn't get anything. And that's why I got the Amazon one later mm-hmm. and then target send it like charge me and sent it. I'm like, okay, so I have another switch. And I, I looked around, I was like, okay, uh, anybody need a switch? And no one wanted to switch really. And like, I wasn't trying to like scout. I'm just like paid me what I paid for it, and I'll yeah. get, and like no one. No, I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Good. And I, fi- you know what? I finally got rid of that thing. You gave like, it to it as a gift a year ago. Yeah, it was a year ago. <laughs> like, and I was Dang. like, I really just kind of gave it away. Yeah. I was like, well, I mean, it's sat in the corner for forever. Like, well, that is actually a perfect segue into our next topic, which is all about the latest big Switch release, and that game is Super Mario 3D All-Stars. It is a three-game compilation for Switch that includes Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. Um, Here's another Amazon success story for this game. Did you get the the discount? 
Yeah, so I did I. Copy and it arrived, and then I, they gave me eleven bucks back. Me too. Uh, yeah, I got an email like three days after I got it, and they're like, "Hey, the price is going down, so we're gonna give you eleven bucks." I was like, "Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome." Um, I never even opened it. I had got it and just put it in, in with my collection because Nintendo sent me download codes for all three games. Well, they sent me one download code, and that included all three. Um, have you been playing much of it this week, Matt? I wouldn't say much of it, Bob. Because um, <laughs> because you didn't have time or because you didn't feel compelled to? bit of both. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I played, you know, I got like 10 stars in each game pretty much. Oh, like, okay. Just to get a feel of it. Yeah, you played you a know, couple hours of each then. Um, I mean, not, I, my opinions on any nothing really changed based on what I already thought about all three games. Yeah, because you, know? you look, you and I, we played these games when they came out, and yeah. not only that, like I played Super Mario Sunshine to like I think to like a hundred percent. I got the Japanese mm-hmm. version back when games used to come out earlier in Japan. Um, I got and I had my GameCube had a, a region switch on it, so I could play Japanese games. So. I got it. It came out months before it came out here in the U.S. Yeah. And I had 100%ed it before it even came out in the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, I remember you playing it in the game lab. Like, yeah. I am very yeah. familiar with all three of these games. I played the live and tar out of all of them. Um, Matt, which one improved the most for 3D All-Stars, in your opinion? I guess I'll say Super Mario 64 because I don't think the other two improved. Really? I thought yeah. I thought Sunshine was the biggest improvement. I think Sunshine is garbage, and I think it's even worse on this. <laughs> well, like, I'll, look, I'll say I this. I hate Super Mario Sunshine. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, confer- and I, before, before I played this, I would have said, like, nah, it's my least favorite. I don't really like it, but it was fine, and I like kind of the design, and it feels nice because it's bright and sunny, and, like, it feels yeah. like the beach, and da, da, da. No, I fucking hate this game. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I'll say I, this. I cannot believe, because here's the thing, and this, I have the same problem with Mario Galaxy on this. Nintendo's reliance on control gimmicks ruins moving these games forward to systems that do not have the same control gimmicks. Okay. And so, the, it's, it's astounding to me how, like, right I turned out to be about that. Well, Super Mario Sunshine is unplayable when you first start playing it. It is yeah. so unintuitive nothing is where you think it's supposed to be is like i remembered everything i could do in the game i could not remember how to do it at all i had to completely relearn how to play that game from scratch they inverted it they inverted the 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 look controls i know and i I would have me off at first um and the other thing too now the reason i say super mario sunshine is the most improved when i say that i say graphically because it looks so much more crisp than it did playing it on GameCube. Um, now, the other part of it, though, is like the 2D stuff in the game, they didn't touch. So, no, no so like didn't. the 2D graphics that come up, they're all blurry and stretched out. Uh, the, the pre-rendered cinemas for that game look god-awful because they haven't re-rendered them at a higher resolution. Um, and they're stretched out to 1080p. They look terrible. Uh, the in-game visuals look better than the CG stuff, (laughs) (laughs) which is really bizarre. But to me, Sunshine looked way crisper. But I also agree with you that it also showed you how bad some of the textures are in that game because now you're not seeing them with, like, the Vaseline over top of them. You're seeing them exactly as they are, and some of them are not pretty. So I totally get your perspective, but to me, it made the biggest jump. And in that regard, my biggest disappointment is Super Mario 64. I mean, that is 
the quickest and dirtiest port of that game that you could possibly create, in my opinion. And I would yeah. also, and the other thing too, you're talking about how Super Mario Sunshine, the controls aren't intuitive; they don't work great. I could not control the camera in this version of Super Mario 64 the way I want to. I've spoken before about how when you got really good at that game, part of being good at the game was also being good with the camera and the C buttons. It was a skill that you learned as you played. You you got good at, okay, I'm running into the screen and knowing when to kick it that extra little amount to get behind Mario. With the analog stick for controlling the camera in this game, it is just a disaster. Like I found the camera like swimming wildly. Sometimes it would go into first person view when I didn't want it to. I I thought Super Mario 64 in this was pretty bad. I was pretty disappointed with it, to be perfectly honest with you. It doesn't even look that great. Um, and then you said Galaxy. Now, Galaxy, to me, is the one of the three that translates the best because the motion controls in that game are very minimal. Pretty much all you do is you use it to scoop up like the bits that are scattered all around the screen, and then you waggle it to fly through the gates that send you to the next planet or whatever. They're very minimal. And yeah, I, I thought they were. I thought the well. switch. I thought they did honestly, like amazingly well. Well, I think. Are you playing with Joy Cons? Yeah, because I'm playing with the Pro Controller. Oh, okay. And totally see. I can totally see where that would like, be a problem. Because you have to aim the Pro Controller like gyro aiming to do mm. the pick up the star bits and shoot the star bits. Oh thing, yeah, I can totally see the camera separately. Yeah. And it's just it's again what I'm saying about Nintendo's gimmick stuff. Like it just ruins moving these things forward. Yeah. Like, there I will no say this clean way. To, to make, and, and like, like I miss Galaxy, like the wiggle is, is like a Y button or the, the X button. Uh, like yeah. it all works, but like you have, to, I really have to think about what I'm doing uh-huh. in a way that I didn't with the, the original controls for the, for on the Wii. I'll say this. And, I really missed the trigger from the GameCube controller for super Mario sunshine. Yeah, Being able to deal. moderate was, how much water you're using. I feel yeah. like with, with the switch having controller, it's that, all or nothing. Having to separate that out into two buttons because of the lack of the click. Yep. On the, on the right. Like yeah. Because like you, if you held it down and clicked it, then you were shooting. You were stuck. Yeah. Stuck. You were. You, you stood yeah. Still and, and, and now you have like, to hold a shoulder button to stop. Yeah. yeah it's it's crap. It's total like, crap. I know this is petty, but like in the tutorial on Mario Sunshine, where Flood's explaining everything to you, anytime a button is different from what the button was on the GameCube, they just have the VO skip the button name. I know. I know. It's, it's so like, lazy. How quick and dirty was this? I, know, I mean, I, really? I read that like this thing didn't even start development until February. I believe it. Like that's how I believe it. How short it took. But I'm like, and people on Twitter were like, "Here, I took the took sound from Flood's other lines and turned <laughs> made the button names." Here's my thing. It's like, yeah, that works fine. Like Nintendo could have done that very easily. Like I expected yeah. to hire the voice actor back, but like yeah. especially in a character that has such a robotic, unnatural voice, right. You could have clutched something together for that. Yep, for sure. Um, it just doesn't. Super Mario Galaxy, Super Mario Sunshine by far uh, is hurt the most by the transition of controls, which is weird because the GameCube, you'd think, has the most I know. traditional controller. I know. Three. It's that but trigger, though. That trigger was important. I mean, they right. built Sunshine around the trigger. I mean... Well, it's the same with like trying to play like Rogue Leader on, on, on an emulator. You know, the, the boost... The foils click, and the boost, yeah. You click the trigger. Yep. And it's like, without that, it just doesn't it's not the same. Yeah, and that game is always gonna be stuck like that. Yeah, like you're, you know, you can't really change that, and it's it's a shame. Now, um, so but to your just, point about the about Galaxy, I am playing with the Joy-Con, and mm-hmm. it's great. 
it's way better than it was on Wii. As far as tracking uh, the motion and scooping up the bits and all that, it, it works great. So that part they did nail. I have not tried it with the Pro Controller, but I can only imagine what a pain in the butt it is to play that game that way. Now, the like, other thing other, I would say... Other than that, it works. Like, that yeah. control on it, controlling Mario and doing the jumping and doing the... Like, that all works fine with the, that control. It's just once you get into the kind of trying to emulate the motion controls... It's not a great time for me anyway, because like just yeah. trying to do the gyro aiming while the because ca- the camera moves so independently of what you're aiming. Like, yep. and you can recenter the cursor on it by hit. I think it's uh, the one of the, the like L both button. shoulders or whatever. Yeah, one of yeah. the shoulder buttons. But like, it's just awkward as hell. I agree, and it just doesn't need to be that way. Now, the um, other thing about Galaxy though is I was like you, Matt. I played. I don't even know if I got ten stars on Super Mario sixty four before I quit. Mm-hmm. Um. Both Super Mario 64 and Sunshine, I played for a few hours. And once it got to the point where I started to work for it, I quit. Now, Super Mario Galaxy, on the other hand, I started playing that, and I got sucked into it all over again. I lo- that game is so freaking amazing. Like, I love... What I really like about it is how you're constantly moving somewhere new. You get... Some of these planets are, like, the size of, like, a, you know, a beach ball almost... Um, and so you don't have to spend that much time on them. Then you go to another one that's bigger. Then you go to a medium-sized one, and you're just constantly moving. The pacing of the game is just amazing. The physics in the game, the jumping around the... Pl- I had forgotten just how sublime mm-hmm. Super Mario Galaxy. It is just like next-level 3D platform. I don't think it's been taught yeah. still. No, Well, that's because... And, you know, I, sorry, game historian, speedrun, whatever, da-da. Mario Galaxy is the best Mario game. It might it's probably um, the best 3D Mario ever made. Like I can go back and forth between Galaxy and Galaxy 2. Yep. But like no, like there is a there is a joy to Galaxy that is not present yeah. in those other two games. Again, part of it's because of the, the orchestra they use for the, for the yeah. soundtrack and like mm-hmm. just the the, the 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 soaring nature of the soundtrack as you're you know, early on, especially in the game as you're first getting those first planets and it's just sort of playing that kind of like huge yeah. orchestral themes and and like flying everywhere, and like Mario seems to be having a good time. I like guess it's it's uh, the game where the wahoo stuff like actually fits the best <laughs> it, it, it like, does. It does. Like, it yeah. makes sense. Like I, you're flying through fucking space out of a yeah. cannon. Like, but yeah, yeah. I, I I wahoo too. Like, hey, yeah. you know, it's it's a great time. Like, it's a great time in a way that like even with the the you know the motion controls struggles. Like, I have definitely played that one longer than the other two. It's way better um, than Odyssey too. I like I. I played Odyssey to the end, and I probably got, I don't know, an extra 20 stars or something, and I was done. Like, I just wore out on it. Like, Galaxy, it's just, it's so good. I would say being able to play Galaxy at this fidelity is worth the cost of the collection alone. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's valid. Like, it's, it's a great game that, you know, honestly is probably worth full price to have in a more functional and high-res form and a more, you know, basically, and, you know, portable is not bad either. Yeah, you can play it portable. We forget that because you and I don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like that would be a pain anyway. I mean, I guess in portable mode, you can use the touch screen to pick the stuff up and you have to worry about the motion controls. Yeah. Um, So that might be be fine. Still probably not ideal, though. (laughs) Because, look, like Super Mario 64 is cool, um, but if you're not, like, a speedrunner or some kind of, like, you know, retro fan, like, I feel like it is, you know, as for as revolutionary as it was, it's still, you've done it a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, I hundred percented that game, there, and then some. Like, <laughs> I was over a hundred percent on that game. Nostalgia factor is there, but at the same time, it's like, do I really want to? 
go, go through, through this again. again. Yeah. It is a little, you know, I think I think 64 and Sunshine definitely show that it took Nintendo a while to figure out that whole camera thing. It did, for um, sure, yeah. 64 is one thing because it was sort of pioneering an entirely new everything. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, you know, I can understand that. And it, like you said, back in the day, it was part of the skill set to be able to manipulate the camera properly with the with the C buttons, and that is harder on the analog stick. It definitely. is, yeah. Um, but Mario Sunshine, like, the camera on that is actively hostile. <laughs> it, uh, no, it tries to take over. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and like it, do, it still has the thing that Mario sixty four has, where like if you're trying to move the camera, it's it doesn't move smoothly. It doesn't move in in conjunction with your your analog stick movements. It does that kind of increments of Jerks. movement yeah. that that sixty four did, and it inevitably ends up behind a building yeah. or some kind of scaffolding. And like like the second the second uh, area where you have to like kind of cro- cross all the all the all the the, the gates and the and the wiring stuff to get to the you know. To get over the jumps of like the construction equipment to get mm-hmm. to the the area where you where the the bluebird is in the in the the shipping crates. Yep. Like there's that one section where you're trying to like kind of make like I, I, the camera will not give me the angle I need to see how far I need to jump onto the moving platform and I keep missing it and like falling to the water and having to swim all the way back and climb all the way. That's back. really annoying too. Once you and, fall in the water in that yeah, game, how long it takes true. to get at out? One point I fell like the second <laughs> time over there and I had to swim all the way back and climb all the way. I'm just like. And I was texting my friend, uh, and I was like, I was like, I forgot how much I fucking hate this game. And like, I had forgotten so, about that weird underground tunnel system. That's yeah, in, like, yeah. it's really so, bizarre. What a weird way yeah. to do that. I know. And like, and and she's she's like, wow, we had, we had a lot more patience yeah. back then. I'm like, we really we did. did. Like, yeah. Because like, I have no fucking tolerance <laughs> for this. Like that camera in that game. It's it's such a fucking opponent. It is. Yeah, you're you're fighting I, against amazed. it for sure. And yep. then, so this so that's the, the order I went was Sunshine, sixty four, Galaxy. Um, I went in chronological. I went sixty four, Sunshine, Sunshine and Galaxy. Because Sunshine was the one I'm most I was most curious about because mm-hmm. it's the one that I dislike. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, maybe will this change? Maybe this will fix it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Because like, just I'm more forgiving about the camera sixty four because it was the first. And I'm and like 64. I just like it just works. Better. Well, the geometry is sim- more simple, yeah. so it doesn't get caught on stuff well, like it does. The, and the level design is better. Like everything is, about that yeah. game is better. It than is. Sunshine. It's, it's a better game. Graphics. Yep. And I love. I do still love the graphics in Sunshine. I think I love the short sleeve plumber suit. I love the the water. The, the water. The music. The haze that's around. The vibe in the game is good. The yeah, they like do the, nail like the, the vibe. Direction in that is fantastic. Yeah. Um. But then you got to play it. The rest of it, I just can't deal with. Like <laughs> it's it's annoying. Yeah. And there's and the weird thing is like when you taking taking away the the GameCube trigger, like it, the 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 cleaning isn't satisfying. I yeah, I agree a thousand percent. I couldn't believe how how much yeah, the GameCube controller made a difference for that game. It really, it really was. I mean, you can f- definitely feel that they designed that game around that controller. And when you take that controller away. There's something missing. Absolutely, I agree. Do you, would you say though that this collection is worth buying though? I mean, look, most people don't hate Sunshine the way I do. Yeah, so I think. Yeah, I think generally you're going to get a, a, a nice, if slightly unambitious version of one of the best games ever made in '64. You're going to get uh, what I think is probably the best Mario game, maybe the, just the best 3D Mario game. And I go, I go back and forth between Galaxy and Super Mario World. Um, but like, and Galaxy looks amazing. Like one of my biggest gripes with the Wii uh, is that its image quality output is rather poor, especially compared to the GameCube. Yep. 
Um, and this, you know, Galaxy basically now looks the way it should look. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks like how, you know, what people were running it on a Dolphin emulator. Yeah, back in the that's what day. it looks like. Yeah. Um, it's gorgeous. Uh, it does. It does holds up. Ju- yeah. It does that game justice in, in every way. And uh, it's still tons of fun. And it's still got that, like, I don't, I don't know any other way to describe it. Like, great games and, like, great movies have this, too, where, like, there's a moment where, like, you get a little into it and sort of it clicks in your brain that what you're, play, what you're playing or what you're, what you're watching is amazing. Yeah. And you get that sort of feeling of, like, that you trust it. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're like, saying. Oh, you're, yep. you're in the hands. Like, you're, you're <laughs> held. Like, you know that this, this game or this movie or this show is going to take care of you. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. Galaxy has that, and it's great. And it still has it 13... 13 goddamn years later. Yep. Um, which not a lot of games can claim. <clears throat> Amazing so, game. And so uh, the other thing, too, is this isn't going to be on sale for forever. When, when right. does it stop? In March, I think? March 31st. Yeah. March 31st. So you only have a certain amount of time to buy it either digitally or physically. Right. So, so, so here's the thing. Like, just buy digital and then buy a physical copy and save the physical copy for, like, a year and sell it for what you paid for both of them together. Yeah. You'll make your money back easily. Yeah. Very you quickly. absolutely will. Yep. So that's two thumbs up from Matt and I, even though yeah. the other thing, too, I don't know if you noticed in Mario 64, there's other issues. Like, if... Mario comes out of a door. There's this weird jump frame that happens before it cuts mm-hmm. to the scene of him in the room. Did you notice that? Yeah. I had yeah. to go back, so, and I started going in and out of the door over and over again to get B-roll of it. There's some weird thing that's going on in the game. Well, there's a couple differences in it because it's not the version of the game we had. Right. Um, it's a, it's a, what they're using is the Japanese re-release of, the, of a fixed version of it, mm-hmm. basically. It was, it was a later release... This is why, um, and it used the English voices and stuff like that. It was sort of a, I guess, Super Mario 64 USA release a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, it had some other name in Japan. I don't remember because it's all, it's Jap- a Japanese word I don't remember. But um, this came up because uh, people noticed in the final fight with Bowser, um, you know, there's that line when you when you throw him and Mario says, uh, what can only really be heard as so long gay Bowser. Yeah, <laughs> so um, long gay Bowser. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like I think it's yeah. supposed to be like your the the Italian weird vowel at the end of yeah. so long so yep. long. Like, yeah, I think it's supposed to be. That. But the way it's said just sounds like so long, gay Bowser. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And and they took so, it out, right? So it's not in it. Yeah. And it was like, oh my god, they censored the game. Well, no, <laughs> no, that, it's the that other line version. Wasn't in this this release because in Japan his name is in Bowser. Yeah. It's Koopa. Yep. And so that's that's why that's not. So there's a couple things that are fixed in there. That was also a funny thing where like. You know, speedrunners use the the backwards long jump all the time as like a, a so do I thing. yeah, and that's not in this game. Uh, they fixed that basically, and they fixed the uh, they fixed the way um, you could use it to glitch through doors right. basically. Yeah, so speedrunners are pissed off because the no, stuff speed that speedrunners figured out another way to do it. Oh, like they, 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 they already, <laughs> already were like this guy figured out that like if you just wall jump back and forth every time he wall jumps, he picks up a little speed, and so if you just do that for like constantly for like a minute. He picks up so much speed that he still clips through the wall and you can bounce your way right into the boss door and finish the game again instantly. Um, never try to outsmart the speedrun community. Yep. They will, they'll get there. Like one That's how, why they're speedrunners in the first place. They right. already figured it out. And Mario 64, <laughs> for all it's a genius, is full of holes. Yeah. So they're, they're, they were going to find it. And it was, it's, it's always fun to watch them break that game in various weird ways. Yep. Um, so that, so I think that what, what you're describing there, I did notice that too. And I think that's, I think that might be something that's unique to that version of the game that wasn't in the version that we had. 
Yeah. Um, because that's the thing about this game in particular is like, you know, we all played that game to death. Like we played that, you know, that was the first, probably the first game almost everyone had on the N64. Yeah. And it's uh, all you had for like yeah. three months. <laughs> and like, you know, so you, you played, played it, it to death. People, yeah. Yeah, other people came over to play it. Like it was, it was the most like, like I have never seen in my life people, you know, people who I'd never seen play a video game in front of me came over to play that. Like my mom loved I it. knew came over to have yeah. a turn on Mario 64. It was, it was a revolution in yep. terms of interest. I thought, yeah. Um, people who like played Mario and when we were kids and stopped playing video games in high school, because this came out when I was in college, I was 20. Yeah. And like it was, it was like you know the Christmas break, and like people were coming over, like you know, like my friend Michelle and people who are like you know hadn't played Mario since like we were you know in middle school, and she's like, I want to try this, I got to yeah. try this. And my mom like, played it and lost yeah. her mind. That's just how crazy it was back when it came yeah. out. Even my dad, who could not have cared a single bit about video games whatsoever, saw me playing that and was like, that looks different. Yeah, like. It, it was. It was. Yeah, you have to be an idiot not to see yeah. the revolution. Absolutely. So yeah. it is revolutionary. Uh, it does still hold up. Don't get me wrong. Um, but to me, it's not the most important part of this compilation. It's just a bonus, yeah. and it's a and great I bonus. I do wish yeah. it was widescreen. Agreed. Like, I don't yeah, it's four by three. Reason it had to be four by. I don't either. It definitely should be able to draw that geometry for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <The> <laughs> they can probably handle that. I mean, the at this only, point, a pregnancy test could draw yeah. that geometry. So the only downside of the collection is really just the quick and dirty nature of it. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's the fact that they're charging sixty bucks for this is a little cheap. Real Nintendo, I'd agree. Yeah. Yep. Okay, it's time to move on to what was probably the biggest thing that happened uh, since we last saw you guys here on Game Face, and that was the final pre-release PlayStation 5 showcase. Now, I realize it's been almost a week since this happened, or actually more than that, um, but we have not had a chance to talk about it, and gigantic stuff happened during this thing, so we're going to talk about it. Um, probably the easiest way to discuss this is just go in chronological order, because I think that's how you guys will probably remember it. Uh, so, oh shit! This happened, didn't it? Yeah, it like, happened. I, I mean, I, I mean, I know we didn't do a show last week, but like, yeah. this feels like forever ago. It wasn't though, really. No, I mean, it was, it was last right, Wednesday. Cause, cause, yeah, because it was. <laughs> yeah, and then that's when it's when we would have done the show, and then that's yeah. when pre-orders went live. It hasn't even wow. when we're recording this right now. It hasn't even been a week, to be fair. Yeah, but no, for when people are watching this, because we have to assemble this show by hand. It's going to take forever. Time, time has no meaning anymore. It really doesn't. It's really hard. Yeah, I agree with you. But anyway, we're going to go chronologically through this presentation because we want to talk about how they presented everything as well. So first thing, they come out, they debut Final Fantasy 16. Uh, talk about a way to kick things off. Yeah, um, yeah, it was rumored, but it was just like, oh, you're, you're just going to start there. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I really thought that was going to be like the one more thing thing where yeah. we get to the end. They're like, oh, we knew it was going to happen. And we're at the end. And we're like, wait a minute. Where's Final Fantasy 16? And they're like, wait, there's one more thing. And then there it is. But no, they kicked off the show with it. And I was very happy with what I saw, Matt. Uh, to mm. me, it looks like they are taking older fans uh, opinions to heart with this entry in the franchise it looks to be a bit of a throwback to the final fantasy 9 ish era as far as the setting and the character models and the art style that they're yeah. using for it well here's the thing that i'm looking for i mean uh, the art style i mean that, yeah that all looks good here's the thing that that caught my attention on this game um the combat director is the guy who did the combat for devil may cry Dragon's Dogma and Marvel versus Capcom 2. Yeah. 
in. Smart move. <laughs> They're like, we can't figure it out, so why don't we bring somebody in who's already figured it out? Like all that other shit, window dressing. Yeah. This one's going to have good combat. Yeah, that's in. really, really important. Like Especially for a game work. this big. I mean, yeah. if it will be this big, because... They're saying it's coming out pretty soon. Do you believe that, Matt? I mean, pretty soon means a lot of things to Square Enix. Especially to Square Enix. I bet we'll be playing this before Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. Hmm. That's a good question. That should have been our poll of the week. Which will we play first, <laughs> Final Fantasy XVI or Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two? Uh, my, bet, my bet is sixteen. <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> After 15, forever. I mean, this could be another case where they get halfway into development and they bail on it and start it all over again. Like, I don't think it will be because it's not the same people. It's not. You're right. They hired, they hired some professionals on this one. Are you concerned at all that the director of the game comes from the MMO Final Fantasy games instead of no. the more single-player focused games? No, because Final Fantasy 14 is the best Final Fantasy thing going. Is it? it is. I mean, it's really good. I have no doubts about the team they picked for this, really, um, between the combat director and the game director. Like, exactly right. Because let's not That caused that. them to have to let's... come out and say, though, that it was a single-player RPG. Yeah. They had to but release a statement. Not, but, which is fine. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, some of the other games they've made seem to forget that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, like, let's not forget the common thread in terms of, like, waiting a long time for Final Fantasy stuff, which is Tetsuya Nomura. Yeah. Like... He's not involved in this, so we might actually get this thing in a timely manner. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's a good and point. Maybe, yeah. And maybe there will be fewer buckles. How about yeah. that? That's a, everybody looks great in this game. All the monsters look... <laughs> I can recognize what these things are supposed to be. I know, I know. I hear you. I mean, I, I, I am floored by this thing. Not, I mean, it, it looks... It looks like a Final Fantasy. It game. does, man. Like, it really in a does. Good way. For the first time in a long time, like Titus and all those characters, that was never Final Fantasy to me. No, like I like, was like, I just wanted Final Fantasy to stop being like Tetsuya Nomura's like binder doodles. Yeah, and I think we are fi- we might finally be there. Yeah. You know, like, I, How do you feel about really liked was was uh, twelve and yeah. there's a little bit of twelve in this one in terms of the visual? Yeah, design. absolutely. How do you feel about the? I don't know if we want to call it bumbling. But kind of the bumbling of the messaging over the exclusivity for this game, uh, because I feel well, like after it ended, everyone thought it was a PlayStation Five exclusive. Right. Uh, it's it's not the only time we'll mention that. Yeah, we're, we're going to get back to this um, in a minute they had or two. Some trouble with this messaging. Yeah, uh, which I thought was very interesting. They were they were very unclear about this for a couple of things. Yeah. Um, so as it turns out, it's a timed console exclusive. Yeah. It's also coming to PC. Hmm. Um, and at first, people just thought it was a PlayStation Five exclusive. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. The messaging was the messaging in this thing in general. I thought was pretty poor, just across the yeah. board. Um, I after it was over, um, someone on the on Sifted was like, "Oh, like I feel like I learned a lot." And I was like, "You're going to learn a lot more over the next hour." And that's exactly what happened. Uh, they just didn't include a lot of details in the presentation that they should have that we were left to have to discover on our own after the fact. Uh, I was not a fan of that stuff. And Final Fantasy 16 was just the beginning of it. Uh, next up, another game that's caused some consternation. Spider-Man Miles Morales. It is, in fact, a launch game. It will be there day and date with PlayStation 5. However, probably the biggest controversy coming out of this entire event was something that Matt just alluded to, which was... 
people were very upset that three games in particular that they thought were only going to be available for PlayStation 5 are in fact coming to PlayStation 4 as well. This is one of them, Spider-Man Miles Morales. The new Sackboy game is the other one, which I don't think a lot of people are going to care about a lot, but the one that really twisted people's knickers was Horizon Forbidden West is also going to be released for PlayStation 4. Now, I will just say right off the bat, I have no idea what these people are angry about. Other than the fact that if maybe they felt PlayStation was being intentionally misleading. And if that's how you feel, then I could understand being a little upset because nobody likes being lied to or no and or no one likes being intentionally misled by someone else. So I can understand you might be a little tiffed by that. But otherwise, I have no idea why people are so angry about this. You well, saw these games a couple months ago. That they're mad, especially in terms of Horizon. They they're mad because they think that the having to make it run on PlayStation Four will hold it back somehow. But they here. So here is what I was going to get at: is we saw all these games when they when Sony debuted them the first time. Nobody was like. No. These games look like the PS4 is holding them back. You loved those games. Yeah, you no loved Miles Morales. It. I got in an argument with someone on Sifted about whether Forbidden West looked better than Ratchet and Clank. So this is this to me, I don't know if it's like double agents, like Xbox fanboys acting like they're angry over this to try to make PlayStation look bad. I don't know. I honestly just personally cannot understand why people would be angry about this. I think it's because I think it's, it's I don't think it's double agent X play X boy fan X boy fans. <laughs> Sorry, X boys. Sorry, X boys. Um, that's a different podcast. It is. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but um, the uh, I think it's because like you want to be these and these people want to be able to say I spent five hundred dollars on this system and I get to play this awesome game and you don't you, you dirty PS4 peasant. Do you think that's think what that, it is? Like, I'm, I'm struggling. And, it, yeah. and look, I honestly I just didn't want to go there. Between, <laughs> I think the mix between that and people who think that if you let it run on, uh, if you make it so it can run on PS4, it's not taking advantage of PS5 properly. They were with, fine like, with these games when they saw them. They exactly. thought they were gorgeous and beautiful. And they still look good. Miles and they are. fucking amazing. Yes, they still are. Get over it, people. You're acting like children. It's silly. I think, okay. and they'll, it'll get there. And also, like the, uh, you know, just having this thing run, it's going to be the difference between like medium settings and ultra settings on a PC. Like yeah. you'll see the difference as soon as that ray tracing turns on. You will see the difference. You oh, yeah. see the money you spent on on the PS5 at work in Horizon Forbidden West. I promise. Yeah, I promise it won't look like the PS4 version. And it's it just doesn't. it's just those three games. That's it. Yeah. Not a, the rest. Aren't I? I again. I struggle to understand where the outrage is coming from for yeah. that. Um, and the big and the, the but it's funny to me. I don't know when we're. I don't remember what the order of things were, so we'll get to it. But the, the big daddy that is not on PS4 is fascinating to me. It is. Yep. And I think it. I think I have a conspiracy theory about that one too. Okay. Uh, next up, Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, it is the open world Harry Potter action RPG that we have been talking about on this show for literally two years. In fact, mm -hmm. I think. Sifted is the only 
website in the world that still has the leaked trailer up because we're so small that they never came after us and had us take it down. So no, it's just just like Cloud City, small <laughs> enough that the Empire doesn't notice you're there. <laughs> Seriously, that's exactly what happened. We've had it up this whole time. If you guys were smart enough to go to the game page and look at it. But anyway, uh, we got the official unveiling. And as it turns out, what was it called back then? Like Harry Potter Magic Awakened or something was the original like title yeah, for I it? I don't remember. It was, it was some clearly placeholder. Yeah. Thing. Well, clearly not what they're going to call it. But it was that it's the same game because there were some shots in this trailer that were exact shots from the leak yeah, trailer from two years ago. Thing. So it is. That was, it's definitely the thing that, that that thing that leaked was a proof of concept. Yeah, no absolutely. Uh, what do you think, Matt, now that we've really got to look at it? I think it looks great. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, and a lot of my friends who are, you know, I have friends who are younger, uh, you know, just because, you know, you work in production, you're always mixing with a lot of different age yeah. groups. So my friends who are in their 20s are all like, well, they're, to- they're torn because they're, it's, it's the game, the Harry Potter game they've wanted their whole lives. Yeah. Literally their whole lives in a couple of cases, but they don't feel okay supporting it because J.K. Rowling has turned right. out to be a transphobic. Right. Yeah. Really disappointed to learn all that. She did it again today. She put up a thing about some shirt she liked, and it was like, you know, this witch doesn't burn or something. And the 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 shirts being sold at this web company that's just full of like, like you can buy a set of like coasters and stickers that literally say "notorious transphobe." I I'm interested to see how because Warner Brothers has already tried to distance themselves from her on this and said like she doesn't she didn't contribute directly to this she didn't write anything in it right. and was like well she still gets royalties right they're like well we yeah can't really talk you can't about avoid that, that. <laughs> she I created it so I have a lot of friends who are like talking about like oh what can we do I'm like look like you know if I buy if I buy this game I do want to play I mean I do like Harry Potter one way or the other and also like I just like the idea of a wizard school game like yeah. the, the concept of the game even if you're not a harry potter fan seems pretty cool yeah learning um, magic absolutely yeah. yeah so i'm like so if i buy this if we're to buy the, to buy this game i would probably you know buy it and then like donate an equal amount of money to a, a, a trans charity to ease my conscience oh, that's a good um, idea actually and i know some friends of mine who have bigger social media presences who think well we're, we'll try and get a copy from warner brothers for free or code or we'll buy it from like secondhand or like from a from an independent store, and then we'll do like a stream where we like raise money for charity yep. uh, to basically counter that sort of thing. Okay, um, it works. So I think that's what and, you know. And a lot of people are just going to say, "I'm not going to not going to play it at all," which is also which is fair. Also fair. Yeah. Um, buy it secondhand. No money goes to her. Whatever. You know, it's it's a whole thing. And uh, I guarantee you, internally, Warner Brothers is. The, I wouldn't be surprised if Warner Brothers makes some kind of like you know charity donation deal uh, <laughs> to, to make people feel like they're offsetting it somehow and like sort of say like we don't we don't agree with what she says but we can't really but we got we're gonna make this day this game yeah. game damn it <laughs> like, <laughs> so we're gonna yeah. bite the bullet like i don't buy the whole thing it's like oh you, you don't support the developers if you do that's like the developers got paid already yeah they're you know, paid so. no matter what yeah, yeah. That, that, that they may not be able to make a sequel if i don't yeah. buy the game but, but they, they got paid like, that team is gonna get uh you know it's just gonna get um put on another project they're not going to get shut down or anything yeah yeah uh, that's a permanent team at warner brothers um and the other thing of course is like you know assuming that enough people would have a problem with this to the point that they don't buy it to impact global sales may be a naive thing to think yeah like this thing's probably still going to sell 10 million copies oh yeah because yeah. the vast majority of people yep. are ignorant of what she says or don't care yeah i mean i wasn't really aware of it until you brought it up so i would have yeah. had no idea i mean i it's probably would have saw it eventually somewhere but yeah, she is just an ongoing. She, she is an ongoing anti-trans <laughs> people thing going yeah. on, and it's been going on for a couple of years. And she's really doubled down during quarantine. Um, so yeah, I don't. I, just got I, worse. I, I understand why someone would not want to support it. I don't want to support it because of how she is. Um, 
if you think that's you know if, if you think that you're listening to this and you think that's stupid uh keep it to yourself because i don't want to hear it <laughs> there you go uh next they showed the first campaign footage for call of duty black ops cold war um and then they announced afterwards that there was going to be an alpha uh, for the multiplayer that was coming up that weekend, which was just the weekend that passed. Um, I'm not going to get too much into that because I played the alpha, and it is a separate topic in today's game phase. But I think what I would say before we move on from that, though, is that it did show uh, that the partnership between Activision and PlayStation for Call of Duty is still intact. Uh, however, it does not seem that it's egregious as it has been in past years. Uh, obviously PS4 owners did get the alpha and nobody else got that. And that was a pleasant surprise. And they are going to get the beta a little earlier. Uh, but there was no mention of like DLC or any of that stuff coming to PlayStation first. It really looks like you're just going to get early access a little earlier on PlayStation for Cold War, um, which I think most people are okay with. If you think about the money that's exchanging hands there. Uh, and again, we'll talk about Black Ops Cold War here in a minute. And uh, anyway, uh, next up was Resident Evil Village. We got a new trailer for that. Didn't really reveal any new features or really much of anything. It was just kind of another yeah, montage cut together more. of scary stuff. Yeah. yeah, but it looks great. And I'm really excited for it. And it really, really is still giving me that RE4 vibe, which I'm all about. So uh, that game looks awesome to me. I'm really excited for it. Uh, it still just has the 2021 date uh, with no quarter or anything like that. So Still kind of in the dark about when we'll actually get to play the game, but... It... The Resident Evil games do seem to be a Q1 tradition. Yeah, they do. I mean, I would not be surprised if February or March that game hits uh, PS5 and Series X at all. Uh, but it's looking great. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I think they're in the right wheelhouse with that game, and I think they should stay in that wheelhouse. Um, next up, something that became more confusing after the huge news from yesterday... And that is that Deathloop uh, showed up again during a PlayStation 5 event. It was at the debut event. It was also at the showcase. I have no idea why PlayStation has latched on to this game from Arcane, but it has. And then we find out that that studio is now owned by Microsoft. So... They have gone all in on this game, and the game does look cool. Basically, you play as an assassin, and you're playing the same loop of time over and over again, trying to kill all your targets in X amount of time instead of just one. Um, so it's a unique concept. I like the style of the game. I like the setting of the game. It looks good, but it's been a profile now in two PlayStation events, and now, essentially, it's owned by Microsoft. So I don't know... And we'll get into that as well later on in the show, what Microsoft is going to do with all Bethesda's games going forward. Um, My guess is that the uh, deals that are in place already have to continue to be honored. Yeah, and I think Phil Spencer said, in fact, that any deals that are currently in place will be honored by Microsoft going forward. So I guess it's a good thing the deal Sony was going for to make Starfield exclusive didn't happen. Yeah. That was apparently in the works. We also wonder, too, is like, okay, they featured this game twice, so do they have like a timed exclusive on it? Hard to say. I mean, that seems to be sort of their MO. It uh, seems like it would point. be. Um, um, but then if you're Microsoft, that's weird. Even though that is a deal that you well, have to honor the game that you the own coming out on PlayStation here's first. The, here's the thing, though. I will make I'll make a bold prediction. Uh, this game is going to bomb okay. hard. You mean just not um, not sell? Yeah. Not sell. I, it's, I, I think it might be great. Like, it could be a great game. Like, it looks like this. 
here's the thing about this game. It's real fucking hard to explain what it is. It is. Well, you heard me fumbling through it. I'm like, you're this hitman, and you you can kill all the targets, and I I don't know. The problem is that if you just watch it, you think it's just another shooter. Yeah. Like, explaining why it's special is is very hard to do in a quick ad or a, or a like a print thing or something. Yep. Like my thing my thing is like it's it's a very high concept, very cool idea that is almost impossible to get across quickly to someone who has never heard of it and I think it's going to be borderline impossible to make it to to d- d- demonstrate in like a 30 second ad why it's special. Yeah, it doesn't have an there's no elevator pitch for it. You have to no. it, it takes too long. <laughs> so I yeah. think that is going to torpedo it okay. in the end. And so I don't, I, if for one thing, even if even if Microsoft does honor whatever time exclusive thing, I don't think it'll matter for anyone. Okay. Because it's not going to be a runaway hit. It's not going to be defined the PS5. It's not going to be identified with one platform one way or the other. It's just going to be like Prey, where you're like, this game's great. Why didn't it sell? I don't know. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's another, but one of the reasons this is probably <laughs> It's exactly why. Uh, and Deathloop kind of started a run for this presentation where I felt like it kind of sunk down to mm-hmm. the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, it sagged in the middle a little bit. Uh, sure. So right after Deathloop came Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, which, okay, it's a great action game, and it does look significantly better on PlayStation 5, but did we need, like, a three-minute trailer for it? Like, Probably not. It literally could have been like 30 seconds. Show us what it looks like running on PS5. Good to go. It went on way too long. It does look good, though, and it is a great action game. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know if I'd buy it all over again. No, I would definitely not buy it all over again. Um, It did sell pretty well. I think the last sales numbers I saw for it were like 4 million or something like that, mm-hmm. which is good, but it also means that there are a lot of people who have still not bought it. So I understand why they're doing it, and I even understand why they showed it. I just don't understand why they, they focused on it for so long. Um, And then next was Oddworld Soulstorm, the next Oddworld game, which has been a known quantity for like three years now. Um, they did take their sweet time in actually showing the gameplay for the game, and we got a lot of that in this trailer. Uh, but there were, like, teaser trailers and cinematic trailers and all this other stuff that's been around for this game for a long, long time. Uh, and in honesty, it, it doesn't even look that great either. I I know why they included it, because Oddworld was one of the original PlayStation kind of benchmark releases. Um, it was used in marketing and promotion for the original PlayStation a ton. Uh, Lauren Lanning, obviously, it has great relationships with the people at Sony. I get why they did it. It just, again, I just felt like it sagged. It didn't fit with the rest of the games that were in the presentation. It didn't look as good as the other games or feel like it was innovative enough to kind of overcome its presentational shortcomings. So I was surprised to see it in here. It didn't do much for me. I'm not that excited for it. I don't know. It just seemed like this whole section here of like three or four games, it just, it, dragged i thought no, i have i have always disliked the odd world games um not necessarily for what they are but just because it's just something about the the look and the world it's an ugly like, game it's an me. ugly art style yeah. i think they want you to be repulsed but that's not what so. you want when you play video games i have zero affection or nostalgia for these things yeah and like just it was just intensely dull. Yeah, it looks like a lem- like Lemmings, the game. Yeah, it also just doesn't look any just like a prettier version of what you made in 1996 Agree. or whatever. Agree, a thousand percent, man. Yep, did not look good. Was not exciting. Next up, where it really hit rock bottom, Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. <laughs> Again, I understand why. 
Um, you know, it's like the biggest game streamer franchise in the world. Cheap jump scares, cheap horror game. It's big. There are toys at Walmart. Where, where PewDiePie <laughs> made his his name. Yeah, I guess it kind of was. I mean, a lot of streamers, I think the reactions to that yeah. franchise. Have, I mean, uh, yeah, that was the original Twitch streamer reaction game. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. Um, it's just like, oh, wait, you, you motherfuckers never played Night, Night Trap before? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Or just a good horror game where there's legitimate scares. Um, I mean, I do appreciate the the kind of the success story of that guy because it was made by one dude. Yeah, yeah, of was, course. He was making yeah. like these like making like these like go nowhere like Christian educational games, and yeah. then like was upset that all the games that were selling were like these violent. He's like, I can do scary violent things, and he just <laughs> made this, and it's just like it's something. Like, and now he's like a literally like a billionaire. <laughs> Spite works, kids. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh way too hard. You're right. <laughs> oh, life is grand sometimes. Um, next up, Demon Souls. This is what Matt was alluding to earlier. Um, this is a launch game, which I thought was a pleasant surprise. Not only that, this game is not releasing for PlayStation 4. Matt, Kyle, take it away. Or, or anything else. Yeah. Um, so here's the weird. So what happened with this was like this, this, you know, this ran and cool, awesome. And then Keeley tweeted like, oh, it's, a la- it's actually a launch title. I'm like, oh, didn't that surprise? Why wasn't that included? That seems like it would have been important information to throw in at the end of that. But OK. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, that, you know, Miles Morales and. Um, well, then they screwed up the trailer awesome. and at the end well, it listed it, PC. Well, that, well, not ju- not even just that, because what happened was I was in a chat with a bunch of other guys I know and. um and a lot of these guys are developed like these are like industry people. Yeah. And like one of them was like, we were talking about Demon Souls. Da-da-da. I'm like, you know, there's your incentive to buy a PS5. So, and the guy, and the one guy was like, um, uh, well, it's coming on PC too. And I'm like, where the hell do you see that? I said, he's like, here's the end of that trailer. Yeah, it was like, in the trailer. And they said it was a mistake. How do you screw that up? And so I looked at the end. I, I don't know. How was like, that never caught? It, so it says, like, at the, at the fine print at the bottom, basically says timed console exclusive. Also coming to PC. Yeah, like yeah, it's like, not that's like wrong. Yeah, I was like that's definitely wrong because like ha- Sony's funding this. It's not a time. Co- it's not going to be time to come to Xbox or Switch. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that, I mean, I'm like, I don't know about the PC part, but the console time exclusive part is definitely wrong. And eventually, it turned out that basically it was a production error. Like, so how do you screw error. that up? How does the producer, the editor, whoever it was at PlayStation who had to sign off on it mm-hmm. from software? Blue Point? How did none of the I like I really Just am struggling to believe that it was a mistake. <laughs> I don't struggle to believe it's a mistake because like people aren't looking at that. Like that, you know, you look at these things, you know, f- over and over and over and it just goes past your eyes. It's, it's boilerplate stuff. Someone grabbed the wrong template. Just it, it made it uh, past so it, many eyeballs, though. It's just because and, you're not looking at it. like all you see is the blue thing at the end. It's like okay, it's the blue thing at the end, done. But like, we saw it, and it's not our job to look for that we, stuff. You're a producer, you know it's your job to look for that it. stuff, Matt. It's your we job it because well, yeah, but we saw it because we wanted to know when it fucking comes out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just like, it's I just bizarre. Have... Like I honestly would not be surprised if the, if it is really coming to PC. And they just didn't want to announce that be. yet after they no, saw not, like not, the it's anger. Not. It's not. 
This is a PS5 exclusive. I would definitely bet you five bucks if you were here to shake your hand. If it, that... comes, out on, if it comes out on PC, I will buy you a copy of it. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. It is, it is not coming to I mean, if it might. No, I don't think it's now, like, that's what like, I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's going to be even a year or even maybe 18 months after the PS5 version comes out. But I absolutely believe that this game is coming to PC. And I also believe that at one point it was decided that they were going to share that. And then after they, and I believe that after they saw the feedback from it, they were like, oh crap, okay, we shouldn't have announced that yet. Let's just act like we screwed it up. And two years from now, when it comes out, people won't care about this anymore and blah, blah, blah. I just, having worked in production for so long and worked in the industry for so long, I just cannot accept that that was just a mistake. I just can't. I, I can, 100%. I mean, I if, if the, just the producer alone, Matt, yes. should be if fired if he'd missed that. Maybe, but like, here's what I'm saying. If there's a PC version of this game, it is not started work yet. Yeah, that, I mean, that, I, mean that, I might that, believe that. That whole, that whole thing is a complete production error. All I'm saying is there's something to it. It's not just no, somebody missing nothing missed. to it. We'll it was see. a mistake. We'll see in three years. You can buy me the game. Well, if it's in three years, PC. It, well, it still didn't exist yet. So it's not a mistake. Well, a mistake. I, I said that I may agree with you that they may not have even started on it yet. My point is that it is planned for a PC now. And I that maybe they didn't want to announce it now, but... No, it's not. It's, it, the people who would have made this mistake would have no way of knowing that. Like, there's no mistake. It's just a mistake. It's just a production mistake. It seems like they, they pulled the wrong template and they stuck it on the, on the bottom wrong. Um, because the other thing, the other reason I knew it was wrong is because everything else that has the little, like, you know, timed exclusive, everything text at the bottom mm -hmm. has a little asterisk next to its title uh, or the, 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 next to the thing on that, on that slate and Demon Souls didn't have the asterisk. Interesting. So Interesting. I okay. knew they, they grabbed the wrong text at the bottom. Okay. I didn't know if the PC one way or the other, but they denied everything and that's good enough for me. Yep. I mean, we'll look, we'll guarantee you guys it's going to be exclusive for the next two years. I honestly don't know why you would care that much, but after what happened with uh, Miles Morales and Sackboy and Horizon, you guys could be angry about well, anything. So well, at this point, it's the, the interesting thing about it. Like this is basically the only exclusive on either console. I know that like, really the only is thing exclusive. You can only play yep. on a PS5. You can't take it anywhere game. else and put no, it in no, any no. other machine. Or but my conspiracy theory on that is like, in terms of early adopters, what other game is more appealing to them than this? Not many. Like it's exactly the audience yeah. that cares about this game. Because let's right. face it, this thing's gonna sell three to four million copies. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be a Miles Morales hit. Yeah, it's not gonna sell ten to fifteen. It's but gonna sell but that's all you need for launch. Like, these are exactly the people you need to make drool yep. to get them to buy a system like early on. So yep. I think this it's a very smart move. Because I think well, I mean, we don't know. We don't know why it's only a PS5. Maybe there's some stuff there because it looked like from the demo they gave, like there's no load time in that damn thing. Yeah. Like, it's just... It looks great, go, too. Go, go, go. Yep. Like, it's it's really impressive, like, yeah. if you're familiar with the original game. like Oh, especially for the... If you compare it to the original. Because oh, that yeah. game was rough. It was rickety. Um, <laughs> they went from there to Fortnite, which I totally get. You have to let mm -hmm. everybody know the world's most popular game is going to be on PS5. I get it. It didn't look any different <laughs> at all. I mean, I'm sure it does. If you did like a side-by-side -side split screen, you'd be like, oh, sure, the PS5 version looks better. But looking at the trailer, it I mean, that game is what it is. I don't think you know, hardware is going to help with that game at all. But it's there, and that's important. Um, and then PlayStation Plus Collection. Um, I'm still not a 1,000% sure. I know exactly what is going on with this thing. But the short of it is that if you are a PlayStation Plus member, when you get your PlayStation 5, 
there's going to be a metric ton of free games for you to play. And not just any games, like huge, gigantic, first-party exclusive games and some really big third-party games, which I was really surprised at, Matt. Do you think this was PlayStation's attempt at sort of blunting the perception that it is not as on board with backwards compatibility as Xbox is? Somewhat. I think it's also sort of their stab at a Game Pass thing. Yeah. Um, Although they did say afterwards that, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. Of course they said yeah. that. But, like, what else, do you, what else is it? Because Jim Ryan said afterwards that, like, Game Pass isn't sustainable, and we'd never do that. So... <laughs> yeah, well... We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we will see. Some of, these, some of these games are a little old. Yeah. Um, like Persona 5, cool. It's not the Royal Edition. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat 10. Yeah. Very a little odd. A whole game behind what's actually out. So there's a little bit, you know, clearly they're not exactly doing Game Pass because they're not money hatting the current versions of things. Right. Um, yeah. But it is sort of a nice little instant library uh, bonus if, you know, can, if you're not. So if all you want is Dark Souls or Demon Souls, I guess you at least could go back and play like Bloodborne again. Yeah, like with with some PS4 advantages or PS5 advantages. You know. Yeah. Uh, I assume that these will all be you know, may, these will all have some upgrades for the new system. So means I'm you know, will it work? I'm on PS Plus, no matter what. So I, I don't think it's going to convince anyone to buy the system. But yeah, it's a I don't. To have. I don't even think it's going to change perception that Xbox is a leader with backwards compatibility. Either. No, like not at I, all. they're they're basically just throwing people a bone. I guess. Is, and they've already had to like, you know, they've already had to say the thing where it's like, yeah, we're not. There's no PS one through three. Yeah. Backwards compatibility on this thing. Yep. Like, yeah, they already so. bit the bullet and did that. So. This is maybe just a little make good to make people feel a little bit better about their PS5 purchase. I don't think it's a needle mover or a game changer, though. No. It's nice that you're bringing forward sort of some of the best of the last gen onto the new system. Yep. Like, it's yeah, it's 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 literally just a bell and a whistle. That's all it is, yep. Um, and then came the big news that we had all been waiting for. We got the release date and the price for PlayStation 5, both versions. It launches November 12th in the U.S., Japan, and kind of that whole Asian area around Japan. And then it releases everywhere else on November 14th, including Europe. So you got about a two-day gap in between the U.S. and Europe for release. Uh, the digital-only version with no disk drive is $400, and the disk version is $500. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about that price gap? I know it's pretty much what both of us predicted. Um, now, in hindsight, I'm, are you okay with it? I mean, yeah, I'm still kind of surprised a little bit because, like, that is that is not a hundred dollars worth of difference no. in terms of manufacturing cost. I mean, Xbox um, got it right. To be honest with yeah. you, the three and five split makes more sense to me, um, and it has played out that way too because nobody is buying the all digital version of the PlayStation Five again. Cheap-ass gamer said 1% of their sales were the digital-only version of PlayStation 5. Well, so I think you're not... You, you might do better later on, but I think you're... Definitely with, you will. But the yep. fact that, like, the, 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 launch, the launch day audience is largely hardcore people, and hardcore people, from my experience, myself not included, but the hardcore people, uh, from my experience, tend to favor digital uh, physical media. Um, inexplicably, in my opinion, because none of these discs are going to be worth anything without some kind of digital enhancement eventually with for patches and shit. Yeah, yeah. But like, um, it's it's just sort of like you know they don't want to give that up yet, and um, so I, it makes sense that 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 
you know, it, it makes sense that the version with the disk drive would be uh, more popular. I'm a little surprised that it's still doing so such smaller numbers, even with a hundred bucks off. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought a hundred bucks off, which is way more. I thought they were gonna be the same price, and just the digital one would. They give you games, games or whatever. Yeah. Um, because I don't feel like not including a Blu-ray drive is enough of a manufacturing cost difference to drop the price that far. But apparently, Sony thinks that the the value is uh, perceptually a hundred bucks less. Yeah. For that, um, which is interesting. It is. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I got the I got the disc one. Yeah, me too. Because uh, I want because pure not because I care about disc-based games necessarily, but because Sony's Blu-ray pl- playback is pretty much second to none. Oh yeah, yeah. So, if you're a cinephile, yeah, that's so a ticket. I, that's what that's what I'm counting on there if, in terms of that. Sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm a little. I also think the the one without the disc drive looks better. Agreed. Um, it looks like it was designed that yeah. way. It looks like the yeah. disk drive was added afterwards to the design. Yeah, it's like this weird hump weird. on it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. The all like digital version yeah, looks it's better. Like a growth on it. Yeah, it looks like a tumor that's growing yeah. up out of it. Um, so any, I agree. Um, like I think it probably the disc free version, if they want it to be competitive with the Xbox Series X, probably is going to need to drop in price. If they don't mm-hmm. care and it's just there as an option, then they're fine. Um, how about the release date? The staggered release date for Europe. Any comments? Um, it's fine. I mean, I guess I don't know what this is. I feel bad for thing. our European brothers and sisters, yeah. but I'm a, I'm surprised it's two days after Xbox. I thought they'd they'd launch further away. Yeah, what a week! What a week that's gonna other. be. My ass is gonna be driving back and forth from Best Buy for like four days straight to go pick all this stuff up. And then the capper, the one more thing, was God of War Ragnarok again has been rumored for years at this point that the next god of war was going to be set in norse mythology uh or the viking age depending on what on what, how you look at it um they didn't show anything other than the lo- the logo and uh there was some voiceover kratos that's how we knew at first that it was that it was a god of war game it's coming in 2021 do you really think that's going to happen yeah, I mean, Sony's usually pretty on target with when these things happen. Might be end of the year. I mean, it's been a but, couple uh, years since God of War released, so you know uh, that'll you give them three years to create the sequel. Yeah, I mean that's about right. I, and it's, apparently, it is PS5 only. Yeah, like, there's no. I think no everything after this will be PS5 only, probably. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was also. I mean, it sounds interesting. Uh, I hope they deliver somewhat on the promise, uh, the hints in the in the first game of other pantheons. Um, cause you know, we, two games in a row that are all Norse stuff would be a little overkill to me. Yeah. I, I, I hope they branch out a bit cause Ragnarok can mean, you know, the Norse Ragnarok or it can just mean like end of the world and that's true. Yeah. Dragon, like other thing, other mythologies and like, cause they tease like Egyptian stuff and yeah. Stuff yeah. There's and, like and, the symbols in the yeah, teaser. Like it's, yeah. There's a, there's a, you know, the, the, the like the, it the, could be more. Paintings just you that. find and stuff like there's a lot more there. Like it, it, yeah. it hints at the existence of way more stuff outside of that because we already know that because we went to the Greek gods and the Norse gods. Yep. So I'm hoping that they, you know, I'm sure they will. Corey Barlog is a is a very very genius creative director and, and game director, and I'm sure that they they're going to expand this out into something amazing. So okay. So here we are at the end of the summer. Uh, these consoles, all the chips are on the table. We know everything about both of them. Literally everything at this point. Uh, what kind of a letter grade would you give Sony for its final PlayStation Five preview? Um, like over. I mean, overall, I think I'm going to give it like a B plus. Yeah, me too. That's my grade. The middle, 
Yeah, is what dropped it down. Might push to an A minus. You show me some more Horizon. Yeah, I was surprised it wasn't there at all. Um, to be honest with you, um, I was disappointed that it wasn't shown at all. But overall, I think the presentation was paced well. I, for the most part, it was stacked well. I think you're smart probably to put the stuff of low interest in the middle because people are going to stick around no matter what for that big finale at the end. Um, I thought yeah, no one's leaving early because they want. Yeah, you, you're going to get a price and a release date. Yep. You're not, and they were smart not, not to anywhere. put that first because then you yeah. lose a lot of people from the presentation. Uh, so I thought that it was planned pretty smart. I think it was kind of slimy. And maybe just an oversight not to include some of the really important information in the presentation. And that, to me, is why it gets the B plus. Not because what I saw I wasn't impressed with or I wasn't yeah. happy with the news. It's um, just weird that, like, you know, I, I wonder, like, the, the lack of release date on the Demon Souls things makes me wonder, like, how down to the wire. Yeah, everything maybe. I mean, it's a console launch. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. the way it goes, you know. Just trying to get everything out uh, as quickly as you can to make people excited. Um, but overall, I'm excited for both consoles, and I, I've pre-ordered both. Um, and I don't know that I'm more excited for one over the other, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, so I'm, I'm more excited for PS5 because it's got Spider-Man and Demon Souls. Like, yeah, I mean, to play stuff, yeah. But, like, the first week I have a console, it's like, I'm just, like, becoming friends with it. Like, I'm learning its UI and all the little stuff that it does. And um, I'm just ex- as excited for both consoles in that way to kind of dig into them and start figuring out how they tick and what they do. And, you know, can they control my receiver? Like all this little stuff that you don't get in the press releases that you learn when you start digging into them. So I'm equally excited for both. But when it comes down to which games am I more excited for at launch, hands down, PlayStation 5. And with that, it's time to move on. Um, this has just been an insane week. This show is is off the rails. Um, we're going to talk next about Crash Bandicoot 4. Some of you guys may have been playing this game because if you pre-ordered it, you got a special invite to a demo. Well, Activision sent me a code to the demo. I've been playing it over the last couple days now. You guys probably remember I am not the world's biggest Crash Bandicoot fan, and neither is Matt. Uh, both of us have kind of put our stakes in the ground on that franchise and that we feel like it needs to evolve. And um, after playing Insane Trilogy, which, which sold insanely well, um, we still weren't convinced that that was kind of the direction it needed to go going forward. So I was very excited to try out Crash 4 because the trailers had kind of hinted that it was more of an open kind of 3D platformery game instead of this game that's kind of on rails where you're always running away from the camera, or always running at the camera, or just side-scrolling. I thought it was more of a 3D platformer. I was wrong. It is not. It is Crash Bandicoot through and through. And for people like Matt and I, that's probably a little disappointing. But for literally like the 6 million people that bought Insane Trilogy, you're probably dancing in the streets right now. It is exactly like every other crash game um for better or worse again depending on your perspective on crash bandicoot there were three levels included in the demo and i spent probably three hours playing the content in the demo they they hooked it up like a lot of these demos it's like here's like one third of one level no this demo is three full levels from the final game so It literally took me a couple hours to finish it because this game is so damn hard. Oh, my God, Matt. Like, 
it, again, it's crash. It's just all trial and error. It's like there are so many instant deaths in this game that there's no way that you could have the foresight to see it coming. It's just a trap that just kills you. And it happens all the time. You also have to keep in mind that like prior crash games, you get hit once, you die. There are no, there's no health meter. There, you get tons of lives. I'll say that. In fact, there are no lives in this game at all. Instead of having a counter that tells you how many lives you have left, there's a death counter there that tells you how many times you've died. Um, it's an interesting kind of take on games that are challenging. Is Instead of saying you have X number of lives and when those are gone, you have to start back at this checkpoint or whatever, they're like, no, you can just keep going and you can keep starting from the checkpoint, but we're just going to humiliate you every time you die with this number that's going to stay there forever because if you're a streamer or whatever, by the time you get to the end of the game, that number could just be astronomical. I can't even imagine. Um, there's just... You know, there's just tons of bottomless pits. Every enemy that touches you kills you. It doesn't have to attack you or hit you with an attack. If you touch it, you die. If you touch a nitro box, you die. If you touch an exploding box, you die. It's, again, it's Crash Bandicoot. It's the way it has been since the PlayStation 1 game, and they have not changed it for Crash 4 at all. So the, there are three levels, as I said. Two of them you play as Crash. Um, one of them, you're running away from the camera. Um, and it's almost like an endless runner. And then the other one, you're running towards the camera as a dinosaur chases you. Um, the third level, you play as Cortex. And it is a side-scrolling platformery thing. But he has a ray, a ray gun, that he can use to shoot things with that will turn them into platforms. But not only does it turn them into platforms, there's actually like two different forms of platforms. One is like a solid platform and the other one is made out of like jelly. And if you jump on those, then you can jump higher off of those. And you just cycle through it. So you shoot something, it turns into the hard platform. You shoot it again, it turns into the gummy platform. Shoot it again, it turns solid, blah, blah, blah. And the game uses this mechanic for the puzzles throughout the whole level with Cortex. Um, now, there are special abilities in this game, a bunch of new ones. I think there's like six in total. But the one that we really got to try out in this was Crash's ability to slow time. Um, and it's it's pretty generous because they ask you to use it a lot. And they put you in a level where you have to use it to get through. Um, and so there's sections where like platforms are falling and you have to stop time just at the right moment so that you have a, la a step ladder to get up to the next platform. It's kind of like that mechanic throughout the whole level. And I'm guessing that's probably the first level where you get it, and it's like the tutorial that teaches you how to use it because it doesn't go that hardcore into it. But even in that level, like there's a section where you have like a lake and like ice platforms above the lake, but then there are like vertical walls that the platforms slide underneath, and there's no gap between the wall and the bottom of the and the top of the platform. So you have to do like this thing where you jump and then you slide. And then you jump out of your slide. So you jump, you slide underneath the wall, and then jump out of your slide to the next platform. It's insane. Like, just figuring out that that's what they wanted you to do took me, like, 10 minutes. And then executing it took me, like, another 15 minutes. So the checkpoints are generous in this game, which, thank God. Because if they weren't, like, I can't imagine anybody sticking with this game. It is that brutal. Um, so if you were hoping that Crash 4 was going to be this kinder, gentler take on Crash Bandicoot that was going to be 
you know, something you could play and kick your feet up and kind of relax and enjoy yourself. Oh, no, no, no. This is one of those games where you're sitting on the edge of your seat every time. Uh, you'll die at the same point several times over till you figure out what you need to do. Um, it is not for... I would say it's definitely not for anyone who started playing games after, like, 2010 and is not a fan of the Souls franchise. <laughs> because this is like the platforming equivalent of Souls, I would say. It's just this thing that punishes you over and over until you kind of figure out what it wants you to do or what it is asking you to do. Now, one thing I would say is when I first started playing this, I was very cautious. Um, and I would take it like section by section and then look and kind of figure everything out and then go for it. What I found, though, after time was it's best to just go for it. Because the other thing that I found with this game is the jumping mechanics are kind of wonky. So it feels like there's only one jump. Like trying to use the analog stick to feather a jump, to not jump quite as far, is really hard. Um, if I just stood at a platform and saw the next platform and just tried to jump and gauge that distance perfectly, to me it was almost impossible. I could not do it. Death perception's tough in this game, one. There is now a little shadow underneath Crash, though. And you can see that they have realized that, you know what, the death perception in this game is, like, impossible to judge. So now there is, like, a little circle that will show you where Crash is going to land when he jumps. It's a huge help. But it's still very hard to just use the analog stick to jump the right distance. So what I found myself doing is just trying to rip through the levels. And just assuming that I'm going to jump the same distance every time and account for that and maybe just jump a little earlier than I would have to make sure that I land at that perfect distance. Trying to use a stick to get your jump distance right, to me, was impossible. Um, so it's Crash. Uh, I really had hoped that they would kind of overhaul it a little bit. And and I, look, I can. the presentation is pretty good. It's, it's not as good as it looked in the trailers. I'll say that. And I don't know. I did play this on Xbox One. I didn't play it on PS4 or PC. And I'm guessing the footage is probably coming from the PC version. That's some crazy powerful rig. On Xbox One, it did not look as good as it does in the trailers. There, are, It has its moments, uh, but a lot of the geometry is pretty simple, and there's not a lot of effects and stuff going on. But the characters look great. The character models look great. The animation is really good, except for some of the old Crash animations. Like, his animation, Matt, for the, his double jump is so dumb. It's like this weird thing where he does, like, a split, and his legs go out, like, completely, like, parallel to the ground. It just... It looks goofy. It doesn't feel right. Um, I don't know. Playing this and having just played all the Mario 3D platformers earlier in the week it just showed me why this franchise was always second fiddle to Mario. It still is. But if you're a Crash fan, you're going to get exactly what you want. A really challenging, punishing 2D platformer for the most part uh, with some cool power-ups, um, some impressive worlds that you'll go through. Um, and some pretty clever puzzles, I'll say as well. But um, if you're hoping for it to change and you haven't liked Crash in the past, you can pretty much scratch this one off your list right now. And I know with Q4 looming, there are plenty of other options uh, that you probably have your eye on. Any questions about Crash, Matt? Nope. <laughs> Do you have any interest in playing it after what I just said about it? Mm, no, but that's not any different than before you said what you said about it. Yeah, I, I mean, was never, I was never going to play this game. Yeah, I mean, look, n neither one of us are big Crash fans, but I was hoping that this would be the one that at least, 
extended an olive branch to people like us a little bit, but it doesn't. No. It's after the sales of the the insane trilogy, like it yeah. makes plenty of sense to just do the same thing again. We'll see, though. It may backfire because I know a lot of people that bought Insane Trilogy never even made it through one of the three games because they got halfway through the first one and were like, this is impossible. I can't finish it. Uh, So we'll see if it pays off. But I I would agree with you right now. That probably was the right call to make. Um, So anyway, that's Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. It is coming to pretty much every platform um, and it launches soon. I think it's like two weeks away or something like that. That's why the demo is out there for people who pre-ordered it. Um, and with that, it's time to move on to a game that Matt has been playing. And that game is a game that technically came out a while ago, but it yeah, just left early access. And that game yeah, is a year ago. yeah. And that game is Super Giants Hades. Matt. Um, why are we talking about Hades now? Well, because it finally hit 1.0, basically. And what were the um, prior versions, what was it missing? The end. Oh, oh the end um, of the game. Okay. And uh, and a bunch of post-game content. Um, and just sort of enjoy, like, this game has come a very long way over, um, over the course of its early access. Uh, like, a lot of early access games just sort of tweak things and add little things. Like, like Hades has changed its face a couple of times like it's yeah they add because because it's so hades is a um it's by you know the guys who did the trans transistor and um uh bastion pyre those yeah. games one of my old co-workers um, greg kasavin from GameSpot. Yep. Yep. and uh so what it is it's it's a it's a roguelike it's a it's a dungeon crawl roguelike um you play the son of hades uh, uh and he um is a brooding brooding prince boy and uh he wants to escape basically the underworld and get to olympus and find his mother um and so the way that works is uh he is kind of free to try to fight his way out of the underworld and uh the way the way that works is is, you know each there's a room it's a series of rooms and because it's a roguelike they're different every time you die so you go into each room and you fight a bunch of enemies usually, and then uh, once that happens, you get the the item for the room. Every room has a thing that there's an item that you that they drop once you beat a, beat them all, and then you go into the next room. And sometimes you can choose between what the, which room is your next room. And the door to the rooms has a little globe with an icon in it, and that icon indicates what item will drop when you complete the encounter in that room. Gotcha. So you can kind of plan your way. So like, is it going to be, you know, like darkness, which you use to upgrade the character permanently? Is it going to be like every kind of Greek god you can think of shows up? Like when the main pantheon shows up, and you'll get a little orb, and they they pop up and say, "Hey, nephew, what's up?" And like, here's a here's a thing. So they give you upgrades for your weapons and stuff, and those upgrades go away if you die. So, and as you go through the labyrinth, obviously you've, you're fighting more and more enemies. There's there's limited health re- regeneration, um, and then you run into bosses. And each time you fight a boss, that's the end of the the level of the underworld you're in. And then once you pass that, you go into the new area. If you die, you get sent back to um, Hades' house, which is also your house because it's you're, you're his son. <laughs> uh, and you can talk to everybody there. Papa and, Satan. Uh, and upgrade everything and and that kind of stuff. So, um, like all of uh, Supergiant stuff, there is a there's a definite kind of tongue in cheek uh, tone to it. Um, the voice acting is ex- 
exceptionally good. Yeah, uh, all their games are always always, always, always is that. Why is action. that? Um, I think they just prioritize. It. I They're guess very good about it. Yeah. Um, some of the vo- vocal performances in this are some of the best of the year. Wow. Uh, even if it's just a couple characters that talk a little bit, like it's just there's there's character and and care put into uh, how all these characters talk, and it's really well done. Uh, writing's solid. Um, there's a lot of like meta jokes and things. A lot of Greek mythology jokes. Uh, if you're if you're familiar with all these different gods and goddesses and stories and heroes and stuff, like there's a lot of in jokes in there for you to kind of be like, oh, I know that. You know, like that. And um, and there's also like there's a narrator. There's almost always a narrator in in their games. Um, but in this case, is it like a disembodied um, voice like their other yeah. games? Yeah, except uh, your character, the, the prince can hear hear it. Oh. And periodically he tells him to shut up. And there's actually a point in the game where the narrator narrates some imp- an important plot point and your character finds out because he hears the narrator say it. And, and the narrator's like, and he found out <laughs> without any, by completely by accident. It was a very weird thing no one could ever explain. Interesting. It, it was, so there's some funny stuff in there huh. like that it's a roguelike. It's uh it's, you know, th- that game, the game is out to kill you. Um, and you slowly, as you come back, you know, as you come back, you, you gather uh, a bunch of stuff you lose every time you die. So you lose all your weapon upgrades. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose all your money. Um, and you, the money you, you bought, you used in the, in the dungeon to buy like items at like Charon's store or like little fountains that sell stuff. Um, so there's no reason to hoard it for later. The only stuff you bring back with you are keys and nectar, which you can give to other characters and upgrade your relationship with them, and they'll give you gifts and like unlock new new dialogue things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the darkness, which darkness is basically XP, and you use that to upgrade. Um, it, it's, it's fun. It's interesting how it all works together. So it's like you use the darkness to upgrade your abilities. You start with four abilities. It's like um, do more damage when you're backstabbing someone. Uh, gain one health every time you leave a room, uh, which you can upgrade to three three health. And the funny thing is, like three health can save your life if you're if, you know you start. Well, the hit points deal. in their games have always been that way. Yeah, like their characters are always life. very low, like hit point. It's like you're worried about twenty instead of twenty thousand. Yeah. yeah. Well, you start with fifty life, and you can you can get upgrades in the in the labyrinth that up you like twenty five total hit points you know by the first run i went through i think i was up to like 100 by the time i got to the boss mm-hmm. but you lose those upgrades when you die so you always start over with 50 unless like later on like you can do more permanent upgrade things but like early on like that's that's the rule so so presentationally it's very in line with their other games which is you know top notch yep. frankly I'm, I'm not a huge fan of transistor and bastion but i did love pyre a lot and this is really good too the the way arcade games lived or died was basically was it fun to play that same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Hades, it is. I mean, that's what rogue um, roguelites are all about, you know? Right. And a lot of them are not fun. Yeah, you're right. I don't like most of them, yeah. I'll be honest. Um, this, however, you know, this is this is done up like a like a you know a hack and slash kind of action game, uh, rather unforgiving one. Um, there's a little bit of um, hyperlight drifter in okay. the combat. Like uh-huh. in terms of it's very dash based. Okay. Um, the thing about it is, like, you get upgrades constantly. The upgrades they give you can be substantial. So you're talking about, like, first room I went into, you get you always get a little orb, and it's got a symbol of the god on it, which you usually tell who it is by what the symbol is, even if you haven't opened it yet. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, there's a bow and arrow. It's probably Artemis. You know, trident's got to be Poseidon, you know. 
and they'll they'll you get your little dialogue thing, and they'll say, oh, da, da, here we go, uh, and here's your thing. So you pick between you pick between three abilities, and usually they'll upgrade either your um, your weapon. You have two attacks for your weapon. You have normal and special. You'll upgrade one of those to, or it'll upgrade your cast, which is B, which is like a distance magic thing, but it's used with like a, this like red crystal. So you have to get the crystal back when you use it. So that's your limit on your magic, basically. Okay. Guy, yeah. uh, and then there's dash, and then there's also you can summon a god to help you with power. That that comes up later. Um, so it's it's sort of a super move meter thing. But like you you play through it and you get it's different every time. You get a bunch of different choices about who, who gives you the upgrades and what happens. And it's just the right balance of like permanent upgrade juice, you know, darkness and stuff, and keys yeah. and stuff. Because like you get those first four upgrades, and then you can use keys to unlock new weapons, or you can use keys to unlock new skills. Or you can use keys to unlock other things. Then you get this other currency, gemstone currency, that you can use to upgrade the actual Hades house and give you more things you can do there. And I like add decorations, and that unlocks new things. How much are um, they selling Hades format? Oh, that's a good question because I've had it for a year. Yeah, because so you got it when it came out in early access, right? Yeah, I want to say it's probably thirty. Yeah, let's see. Well, the thing about rogue-style games is that they intrinsically have a little more value because. They're designed to be played over and over and over again. And no two runs are ever really the same. So It's 25 and currently 20% off on Steam. So you can get it for 20 Uh, bucks, basically. It's also on Switch. It launched on Switch. Yeah, that was the big thing, right? It also launched on Switch. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just PC and Switch right now, though. PC and Switch for now. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, would you be happy with that if it was 25 bucks? Absolutely. Okay. It's, It's a really good 25 bucks. Uh, I will admit I keep forgetting the name of the main character. Because he, he's <laughs> That's not a good sign. Well, he's not, the only character who's not a real, as far as I know, a real Greek mythology figure. Yeah. Or if he is, he's real obscure. His name is like Zebius or something like Zeb- Zebius. Knowing like Greg Kasavin, I would say he's probably real. Um, but um, like you said, very obscure. He's probably some little side note in some book somewhere. Might yeah. be like uh, I don't remember. I'm pretty familiar with uh, with Greek mythology, and I don't remember his yeah. name anywhere. But um, but Hades the only one I keep forgetting. But he's also very funny. Like he's he's very he's he's a a very likable character. Okay, so Hades twenty five ish PC Switch buy it accurate? Yes. Yeah. All right. I, I have no problem recommending this game. Okay. It's uh it's a super solid thing. And the good thing that, too Zagreus, that's it. Zagreus. Oh, okay. And the good thing too is that you're supporting really good people. Greg Kasavin is a great yeah. guy and you should feel good about giving him and his studio your cash. And you're right, he is he is an actual real mythological figure. I knew it. Uh, Greg, um, that's how Greg rolls, man. But don't look that up on Wikipedia because I think that's a spoiler. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there okay. you go. Interesting. All right, so up next, I mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about the PlayStation 5 showcase that they put out an alpha for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War that ran over this pack past weekend exclusively for PlayStation 4 owners. I am a PlayStation 4 owner, and so I downloaded that sucker and I played it a lot. And I am here to deliver my report. Now, I'll say this. It is the roughest Call of Duty I have ever played in my life. It is a true alpha, meaning this game in its current state probably should not be being played by consumers. It is that rough. Um, I know that's hard to believe. 
because I know a lot of you have played the prior betas for Call of Duty. Maybe you played all of them. And to you, you're like, oh, these things are basically the multiplayer suite finished. And I thought that as well. And I will tell you that Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is nowhere near that place in development. It is really rough. And when I say rough, Matt, I'm talking about like standing on a map and watching the ground textures just come and go below your feet or just warping in and out of existence. There are these little cutscenes that happen before each match, kind of like Modern Warfare, where it's like you and your squad in a truck or in a helicopter or a plane going to the drop zone. And even those cutscenes are all like broken and janky. Like they just end it. There's no fanfare like before matches or after matches. Um, there's no leveling actually in this alpha at all. Everything is un was unlocked right from the beginning. So you could literally just build whatever you wanted, which was great because it did show you kind of the flexibility of the new build system. Um, but it's also weird to play Call of Duty and not have that sequence of have a good game, unlock a bunch of stuff, go in real quick, try to get it equipped before the next match starts. There was none of that because it was just all there right from the get-go. Um, but I have never seen a Call of Duty look this rough as it was presented to the public. I think it was a bad idea to <laughs> release this alpha. And I wonder why they did it. Like, I really think, Matt, that they the deal that they have with Sony in some way forced them to do this because... It's busted. Like, there are so many parts of it that were busted. I, I, Again, I could not believe that they released this for the public to play. Like, honestly, having been in the press for the last 20-plus years and have gone, having gone to all the Call of Duty pre-release press events, they never showed a game this early to the press even. Knowing that the press knew that this is an alpha, a lot of this stuff's going to get fixed or changed, they would not show us a game that was this early. I'm I'm shocked that I played this game on public servers over the weekend. Um, even just in general, the game just does not look good. And again, I played this on a PS4 Pro um, with super sampling enabled. It is very fuzzy and blurry. The animation looks weird. I don't know what's going on here. I really don't. Um, I have played every Treyarch Call of Duty it's ever created. And I do know that now they have different studios working on different parts of Call of Duty. But man, it it's a step back, not just in visuals, um, also in functionality. This game has been completely stripped down. Um, so I mentioned on Game Face before that there's no wall running or any of that crap. Well, my God, that now that seems like a dream. There's This is the most stripped down Call of Duty I've played since maybe the first Black Ops, to be honest with you. And it may be on purpose. They may be wanting to reboot it and take it back, but it it, it goes too far back, I think. Um, a lot of the technology, because it's set during the Cold War, is older, so you don't get a lot of the high-tech gadgetry, but you do get some of the more fun ones from older games that have gone away because the setting didn't make sense for them anymore. So... As far as like the, the gear and the guns and the tech, I'm okay with it because I'm getting some stuff back that I liked and I'm get, losing some stuff that I liked. But if you just keep playing the same game every year, they wouldn't release a new game in the first place. So 
I understand that they need to change it every year, and I'm okay with that as far as the loadout options are concerned. I still have an AK-47, and I can still literally attach, like, 10 different things to that AK-47. Like, once you start getting into the wild cards, you can literally attach 10 things to a gun. It got to the point where I had, like, a red dot sight and a laser sight because I just I ran out of stuff. I didn't even need to put any more on my gun, and I just wanted to see what I could do. So there is a lot more flexibility in how you handle your loadouts. The other thing that they talked about before I played it was score streaks, how they went back to score streaks. It's not kill streaks anymore. And now you get points for everything you do, and that builds towards your streaks, and they thought that it was going to help you get more streaks. I can tell you it absolutely works. I got score streaks this weekend that I, I don't know if I've ever got in a Call of Duty game before because I can just never strain together like 15 straight kills. Um, a lot of people have been complaining about the alpha because it uses a skill-based matchmaking system. I love it. My first few games, I got housed. I got destroyed. As they started figuring out what my ELO was, though, you can, well, I could watch the curve. I could watch me just get my butt kicked, and it just slowly sloping up until I started playing with people who are about my skill level. And then I have a game where I didn't do as good. Then I dominate. Then I do a little worse. Then I dominate. I thought it was perfect. That, to me, that part of it is great. And my KD... My KD in this is like probably like a 1.6, which is just outrageous for me. Like I do not have a KD that high. So the I did, I did like that I saw somebody complaining about the skill-based matchmaking and he's listing all the Call of Duties that didn't have it. He's like, you know, this is Black Ops 2 didn't have it and some guys like all of these Call of Duties had skill-based matchmaking. Yeah, and you just guy, didn't and know. It. says and the guy says false and the guy says I wrote the skill. <laughs> <Black Ops 2>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just it works a, well. It's always amazing to me how people that complain about things in games generally don't know what they're talking. They don't know about. what they're talking about. Um, but I like it. I felt like I was playing with people around my skill level all weekend long. After I got past those first few matches where I got destroyed, it was great. Like I never got discouraged. I never got bored because I was just dominating everybody. I love that part of the game, and I saw a lot of people complaining about it. And what it is is you got these guys who are just really freaking good, and they're probably streamers too, and a lot of their reputation depends on their KD. So if they're streaming and their KD is like 20 kills and 20 deaths, that's not going to work for them. And I think what you're seeing is these people who are used to winning every match 32 to 5 or whatever. I don't even know why you would want to do that. It makes the game so boring. But anyway... These people who are used to having these crazy KDs are all pissed off now because they're playing as people just as good as them, and they're not destroying a bunch of noobs every match. So I have no sympathy for them whatsoever. Um, uh, the matchmaking works great. It was one thing that I actually noticed before I even read anything about it. I was like, wow, these matches are all close. All the people I'm playing against are about on my skill level. I loved it. And for me, that goes a long freaking way. The textures on the ground and all that other stuff, that's frivolity. The core of it is, will it keep you hooked? Will it keep you playing against people who will keep you hooked? And so far, the game has absolutely done that. Um, the maps eh, the maps are a mixed bag. The one I talked about, uh, I think it was last or our last episode, was like there's a bunch of big ships and then an ocean in the middle. 
That map turned out to be great. There are zip lines in between the ships, so you don't have to go all the way down to the water and then get in a boat and then travel slowly across the water. That's a huge mistake anyway, because the snipers are just going to kill you before you get anywhere near the boat. Instead, there are zip lines that you can just jump on and zip, you're right off to the next boat. Um, it's awesome. The snipers still have their chance to try to snipe you while you're zipping. Once you land, you can go inside for close quarters combat. Great map. Loved it. The other maps, not so much. The smaller TDM maps, there are way too many dead ends where you're running along the edge of the map and you see a, a thing that goes to the right. You go to cut into it and it's just a dead end. There's stuff like that all over it. However, I do like that most of the maps are just three lane maps. There's a reason why they're so popular because they work. Uh, you, I, I did not find myself getting shot in the back all the time in this game. The spawns were great. I was not getting shot as soon as I was respawning. I liked the map layout. I did not like some of the more minutiae of the design as far as like some of the dead ends and things like that. But unlike Modern Warfare, there also aren't these long like 200-yard alleyways with no outlets that you're forced to run down and snipers just rain down on you. I liked the maps for the most part in this. Now, the other big thing that they've been focusing on is how the modes are changing um, and how they're supposed to be changing the core of the mall. I really didn't see that. If there's one thing I was more disappointed about than the technical performance of the game, it's that the modes still just don't change anything. Like, I did not get to play the VIP mode, which I was excited to play, which is the one where one team protects the VIP as he tries to get off the map and the other team tries to stop him. I did not get to play that, full disclosure. But I played pretty much everything else, and it all plays just like Call of Duty always does. Like, don't fall for the press releases or the buzzwords that they're throwing around. It, for the most part, it plays like Call of Duty, which I think for most people, that's probably what they want anyway. Um, one other map that I liked was called satellite and it has sand dunes which means that it has curves matt <laughs> you don't realize how everything in a call of duty game is a right angle until you get a map that has sand dunes with curves like it completely changes the strategy of playing call of duty because now you can strafe and you can follow kind of that curve line and just get to that point where that curve dips down a little bit and you see that head pop up and boosh um, surprisingly, it added a lot to it. I wish there were more maps like this. There need to be more maps like that in Call of Duty in general. Uh, the other thing, too, is it takes more bullets to kill. Modern Warfare, very quick deaths. In this game, you don't have to unload a whole clip in them, but you can't just spray them with, like, one burst of fire and they die. And I like that. But a lot of the people who like playing with SMGs, which are basically weapons that are good close up, the farther away you get, the less effective they get, They've been having big time problems because if they're even like 10 or 15 feet away, the spread is so big that you're not killing people the way that you're used to. So there's been a transition period for some people who are used to playing a particular way. But overall, I guess I would say it's a mixed bag. Um, technically, it's in trouble. I'll just be honest with you. The game comes out in like no time. And it was a mess, a mess, visually a mess. I've never seen a Call of Duty look like this multiplayer. Um, so that's a problem. And they can't delay it. So I don't know what's going to happen there. My guess is nobody is going to be sleeping for like the next like four weeks over there trying to get this stuff fixed. But I like the way the score streaks work. I like the maps. Uh, I like the the more, more vehicles incorporated into multiplayer. 
I liked the big open map on the ocean where you were going from one tanker to the next using vehicles to get back and forth. There's a lot I liked about it. I like the gunplay. The guns feel good. Um, I didn't see a lot of problems with lag where I would see one thing on my screen and then in the replay I'd see another. Uh, so stuff like that is working out okay, but man, I don't know. I, I have not went and looked at anyone else's impressions of this online, but I am guessing that there are some people out there who massacred this alpha. I mean, massacred. If you were in the exact opposite of their wheelhouse, meaning if you're a really good player and you really care about graphics and things like that, like this could have like rocked your world. But me, I focus more on the core of the play and I do feel like that is pretty good. I'm nervous about the campaign, though. I'll be perfectly honest with you. After having played the multiplayer to see the state that it's in, I am nervous that it's going to be riddled with bugs. It, I'm just, as someone who has covered Call of Duty for 20-some years, I've never seen the game this close relate to release in this state. And I think that's probably the best way to end it. Unless you have any questions, Matt. No. Nope. All right. Uh, next up. Now, I've been playing games like Mad, by the way. I have played so many video games since I last saw you guys. It's really, with my spare time, it's all I've been doing. And I have played another one. I played WWE 2K Battlegrounds. And I've said on this show before, million times, I, am not, I have not been a fan of wrestling games since the N64 era. That was the last time I really enjoyed a wrestling video game. And I, I think we would all agree that while those N64 games did have more realism than any wrestling game that ever came before it, they were still arcadey. Um, and so I was excited to learn that they were making a new WWE game that was more arcade-facing instead of kind of the more sim stuff that we've been getting from, uh, from THQ through the years and from developers like Ukes. And that part of it is good. It is. It is very accessible. It's very easy to jump in and play. Um, there's a punch button and there's a kick button, and the combo is three punches in a row or three kicks in a row. And then other than that, you basically have your finishers and your signature move and then like throws. And that's pretty much it. There are like, there's either five or six different classes of wrestlers. And of course you have like the heavies that are really slow, but do a lot of damage. You have the guys who are small, but they can fly all over the ring and they're way quicker. But the thing about it is each of those six classes of wrestlers have moves that are just copied and pasted across every wrestler in that class minus their signature move or their finisher so what you end up with is basically five different wrestlers in the game total with each one having like their own one or two different moves that they can do so everything kind of starts to feel the same after a while and that's exacerbated by the lack of depth in the gameplay. So there's really no grapple system. It's like if somebody goes to try to throw you uh, and a button prompt pops up and you have a window to hit the button prompt and reverse it. The problem is, Matt, I'm not exaggerating. The reversal window is like three seconds long. It's so long that I've hit the button multiple times and failed it because I hit it and hit it again and turned it off before the prompt disappeared. It's absurd. So when you're playing against the computer, it's not that big a deal because they don't just like automatically reverse everything you do. But when you go and you play online, it is absurd. It is just 
Counter, counter, counter. Oh my gosh, I got a scoop slam. Counter, 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 counter. Oh my gosh, I got a punch in. Like, that is how the matches play out. And there's no, like... Like, the other thing I liked about the N64 wrestling games, even though they were arcadey, was that, like, you could focus on, like, a particular body part. You could try to take out their knee, and eventually they wouldn't be able to walk, and you could win the match that way. Like, this game doesn't even work that way. Like, gradually beating up an opponent basically does nothing. It will... Fill up your heat meter, which is what you need to fill up before you can do your special. But it doesn't, like, gradually wear down the other guy to where you can pin them. Like, you basically are forced to use your finishers and your signature moves to just dole out so much damage that you basically kill them and you pin them. So there isn't, like, this attrition thing where you can be strategic and be like, oh, I've been working on, like, his right leg, and if I could keep working on that, maybe I could weaken him to the point where I can put him in a figure four or whatever. There's none of that. It's just, how can I get my special? How can I pull off my special before he pulls his off? Or how can I counter before he can? It just becomes like you're a cat chasing its own tail. This whole game feels that way. Um, now, there are a ton of wrestlers in the game. There's, like, 70 in the final game. However, when you first start playing, there's only, like, 20. And you may be saying to yourself, that's okay. That gives me a bunch of stuff to unlock. And it does. However, unlocking the wrestlers in this game is takes forever. Forever. And so it's much more convenient to just go to the store and pay a dollar for that wrestler. So you got 20 when you start. My guess is you'll probably unlock five or six before you get sick of it and won't want to do it anymore. And then you got like almost 50 left. That how do you get those wrestlers? You're going to pay for them if you really want them. So this is a 2K game, and that is a problem across 2K's pretty much entire suite of games is that they are very predatory when it comes to microtransactions. NBA 2K, one of the most notorious in the industry. Here we have a WWE 2K game, same deal. Um, and not only that, like you can create your character, but like all the cosmetics that they give you for free are trash. Like, all the exciting ones you have to pay for. Like, you'll never unlock them just playing the game. Well, you could, but you'd be playing the game for, like, six years before you unlock, like, a costume. So the prices for this stuff, it's all targeted towards getting you to pay for it instead of earning it in-game. And the vast majority of that content is locked behind these walls. So um, the live commentary is busted. It says the wrong stuff all the time. It's, sometimes it's, like, five seconds behind the action uh, the graphics themselves, everything looks fine while you're wrestling. But, like, the intros look terrible. When you get up close with the character models, they're scary. They look roughly accurate. Like, The Rock kind of does, like, the eyebrow cock, but it's just so goofy it doesn't look right. Like, the entrances are repeated for, like, all the wrestlers. Most of the wrestlers don't have their, like, signature entrances. I mean, I could just go on and on. But the one thing I would say is this game has tons and tons of modes and features. Like, everything. I already said, obviously, 70 wrestlers. But there's two-on-two, one-on-one, three-on-three, uh, Hell in a Cell, cage match, uh, everything, everything. <laughs> Any match type that you can think of is in this. And not only can you play it, like, against a computer or locally, you can go online. There's some cool online stuff as well. There's, like, an endless, like, Battle Royale mode where you get in the ring and it's just the last guy standing stays in there and the internet just keeps feeding new opponents into the ring as you eliminate the other ones. That was pretty cool. There are these tournaments where they kind of force you into specific match types. Like 
this week it was tag team or whatever. And so you need to find a partner and go in and do tag team. And all this stuff gives you points and money that you can use to unlock the stuff, but it's not enough to unlock the stuff. So I was pleasantly surprised by this game in some ways. Um, it does play pretty well. It's not very deep, as I said, but the mechanics do feel good for the most part. There's some slight hit detection issues here and there. The presentation, some of it looks good, some of it looks really bad, uh, but really just how robust the game is has been the biggest surprise to me. How many modes there are, how many match types there are. You can create your own ring, you can create your own arenas, you can even set up like the lighting and stuff like in the arenas. So it's it, it goes above and beyond what I thought it would in some areas for the first game in a franchise, but then in other areas it falls woefully short. So in short, I would say that this is a very fun pick-up-and-play game if you have people to play with. If you have people that come over, all the better. It is very. It, it can definitely distract you for a couple hours, but the more you start playing it, the less you're going to like it, the less your friends are going to like it, because you start to find the holes in the rock-paper-scissors stuff with the different classes, um, and you start to learn that actually being good at wrestling doesn't make you good at the game. And I think that's a huge disconnect that a lot of people will have to fight through. So it is available for everything. I'm pleasantly surprised by parts of it, uh, disappointed by other parts of it. It is not your typical first release in a franchise, I guess is the best way to sum it up. Uh, usually the stuff that this gets right, first games get wrong, but it's been flip-flop in this case. And maybe part of that is because 2K came in and they have a big budget and they were able to, kind of shine up some parts of the game more than you might expect. But I, I would say it's a step above an indie game, but not by much. For instance, the career mode is just a ladder of unending opponents. And I mean unending. Literally hundreds of matches that are just tied together with these still animation like comic book stills that have two pages that tell you about whatever the guy is that you're supposed to fight next. And it, I made it maybe a tenth of the way through that ladder and quit. And unfortunately, that is also where you, you get a lot of the free unlocks. So you feel like you're kind of forced to play through it if you want to get your money's, your money's worth without paying more. So there, it's an auspicious start. I'll say this. I think they have something here. I think they could turn this into something that will sell better than their more sim-related sim wrestling games. And I'll just say this right now. It's way, way better than WWE 2K20 which was a disaster. So it's probably the best wrestling game on the market right now. And if you're a big fan of the WWE, I would say buy this before you buy the next simulation that hits the market. Any questions about that, Matt? Um, not especially. I mean, I, I, you do seem more positive on it than like the majority of the reviewers. Um, but like, it's an appealing idea. I don't know if they've, they've gotten there. I've seen some of the fighting game community sort of, playing around with it to see if it could be a competitive thing. Oh, no. Oh, the, uh, no. They'll the hate it. <laughs> they will hate it. The consensus seems to be that, like, it's just too broken. Yeah. I mean, there's um, hit detection issues. Like, I've had times where I tried to, like, do my super, and my guy will jump up on his shoulders and then just fall off. Like, Well, it's not that so much as uh, the balance is non-existent. There um, isn't any. I mean, like the uh, like, tr like uh, one of the ways you uh, you you can you know give yourself an advantage is to charge up your heat using your taunt, your your character's taunt move, and uh, Triple H's taunt is like a third as long as everyone else's. No, so you're right. H That's accurate. Yep, that is Triple accurate. H can charge up his heat meter like faster than anyone else in the game. There's and, stuff like that all through it. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's what I said. The longer you play it, the more you start finding that stuff that just doesn't add up, and it makes you not want to play it. I'll just be my, perfectly my honest. Favorite, uh, my favorite tagline for many of the reviews was uh, Games Radar, I think it was. It said, um, uh, a brand that's reached rock bottom. <laughs> it has. I mean, between the last WWE sim and this game, it's hit rock bottom. That's very accurate. So there you go. It's that's so weird. It's so weird that they just cannot get their act together on on that brand. I would say this. I would say wrestling games are probably hard to make. Um, yeah, they're they're difficult, but that doesn't mean that we should be sitting here twenty some yeah, years later and they're still like, trash. <laughs> I mean, I still think like the problem is the lack of iteration and a constant need to sort of attempt to reinvent things. Because like it's not like the casts of these things change that much. No, you know, like no. They should have the the mocap data for like all this stuff. All you should be doing year to year is making them play a little better, yeah. um, and adding some modes or trying to beef up the story ideas or or the ability to sort of create a narrative that flows along with your creative wrestler. Like that's all you need to do. You don't need to they can't do reinvent it. this wheel. And it's so weird that <laughs> they, they just cannot it. figure that out. It's very when, frustrating. Like, a lot of that stuff. I mean, I think even people. Like, I think at this point, people would pretty much welcome like. Just a remaster of WWF No Mercy, yeah, from the N sixty four, yeah. Or something, you know, like Remake just... one of those games, like uh, people would go crazy for it. I agree. Um, I don't know how they've gotten worse. We're twenty, we're here. We are twenty some years later, and the games have gotten worse. Yeah, it's boggles it's the mind. It's one of the only areas where that's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess it's like we always say: like a studio is just a name. You know, it's all about mm-hmm. the people and the talent that make the games. And, uh, you know, and the time and the budget they're given. Yeah, that's a big part of it, too. And and to be fair, with these annual releases for it, you have no chance of making a good game. You just know. And it wouldn't surprise me if the budgets are not what we would imagine. Yep. I believe that as well. So there you go. Vince Vince McMahon is not a a spendthrift. Oh, Oh, he is cheap AF is the best way to describe it. So there you go. That's WWE 2K Battlegrounds. It's available for pretty much everything. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a hard buy. I would probably pay 20 bucks for this game. That's probably the most I would pay for it. And then if you spend 20 bucks and you got this thing that just kind of sits around when your friends or your family comes over, I think you'll get good value out of it then. But again, the more you play it, the less you're going to like it. All right. It's time for our last topic. And you guys knew this was going to be the last topic of episode 229 because it is literally just earth shattering news. Um, And that is that Microsoft has bought ZeniMax, the parent company of Bethesda, and a bunch of other brands too. But for our purposes, the big news here is that Bethesda is now under the Xbox umbrella. Um, Since the announcement has been made, there have been conflicting stories and reports about how things are going to work. In all honesty, it just sounds like this came out of nowhere. (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest, Matt. It doesn't sound like Bethesda was really ready to talk about it, or Microsoft for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say this. Michael Pachter predicted on Pachter Factor in October of 2018, that was almost two years ago, that Xbox would buy Bethesda. Go look it up. It's pretty crazy. People just started him complaining that you misspelled his Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then he got all mad because we misspelled his name in the tweet. But anyway, he predicted this two years ago, and here it is. It's come to fruition. 
Um, first of all, Matt, just your initial reaction when you found out about this. Um, well, I found out because uh, I, my phone was blowing up from people texting me about it. Yeah. It broke, it broke before I usually wake up in pandemic times. <laughs> um, it was early. It was an it was early, early leak. It was, it, was East, it was an East Coast story. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, my main reaction was like, what? How much? Like that was, I think that was my initial reaction was how much? And then it turned out $7.5 billion. And here's the crazy thing. Pack back in 2018 predicted like $8 billion for the sale. It's insane. Is, that's almost twice as much as Disney paid for Star Wars. I know. I so, know. Is it worth it, Matt? Maybe? I don't like, think it the, is. I, well, here's the thing. Like, they got a lot of IP. They this. did. They got, like, they people got don't realize Doom. there's a lot more under the Zenimax umbrella. They Doom. Yeah. They got Wolfenstein. Yeah. They got Elder Scrolls. They got Fallout. Yeah. They got, I mean, they got some serious That's huge shit. IP. Yeah. Um, even if you don't end up keeping a lot of these studios, the fact that Doom is an Xbox exclusive, a PC exclusive. You know, well, that's where it starts to get fuzzy. Fallout, <laughs> Skyrim, like... Remember how we complain that Skyrim's on everything? I know. Toasters? <laughs> like, I guess we don't have to worry about that anymore. Like, yeah, coming to a toaster near you next week. Thing, <laughs> the big thing to me is that they have, and the, that occurred to me sort of after I sort of absorbed it a little bit, was that Microsoft has basically bought up all of Western RPG development. All of them. Yeah. They've got Obsidian. They've got In Exile. They've got. Uh, they've got Bethesda. I bet you the people that own Interplay are making some calls. I mean, right they got Arcane. Arcane makes RPGs. I mean, they, like the top level stuff outside of sort of the Eurojank, uh, you know, thing and CD Projekt Red. That like that's all it all it is basically. I mean, yeah. otherwise, you, especially in, you know, we were talking about how like oh, Obsidian is making Avowed, which is you know like a Skyrim clone in the in the Pillars universe to sort of beat Bethesda to the Elder Scrolls yeah. punch. Well, now it's like, <laughs> so much oh, for so that. <laughs> if you want that kind of game, you're going to need to own an Xbox yeah. or a PC. Basically. And that, that to me is what's, is what's the, the smartest about Microsoft's acquisitions. If you are going to go all in on one genre as sort of your tent pole to bolster your business, action R- open world action RPG is the exact genre that you should be doing it with. First-person shooters, second, probably. Action RPG, first. This strategy, I'll be honest with you, Matt, I hadn't even recognized this strategy until you mentioned it. When you said to me, all the action RPGs are all Xbox exclusives now, I was like, hot damn, that is some smart stuff that Microsoft just did right there. Um, when even like look at like someone was tweeting at Obsidian about like does this mean New Vegas two could be a thing now that Zenimax is no longer you know the parent company was the thing that Obsidian had the problem with because they're the ones that screwed them out of their royalties right um, and the official Obsidian Twitter uh, response was just an emoji of someone shrugging <laughs> I don't know and it was just like but like you know that's that's a distance from the previous yeah. like, we are never working with those people again well I think that's um, that's so. the aftermath is that we don't know how things are going to play out because mm-hmm. the, obviously the first question everyone asked was like okay well you have all these studios now from Bethesda and all these games and IPS and franchises but what are you gonna do with them are you going to continue to release them multi-platform or are these all going to be exclusives? Mm-hmm. And basically the only thing that Microsoft said was that 
all these games will be on Game Pass, which is huge. And two, that every franchise or game is going to be considered on a game-by-game basis. So that means that some games absolutely are going to be multi-platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, that like isn't... You've got to wonder, like, what, you know, especially because Microsoft doesn't care all that much about selling hardware versus having you in the ecosystem. Right. Considering how much Elder Scrolls sells, would it, you got, you know, you don't know that until, you know, you know the internal numbers, like, would it be more financially ad- advantageous to just sell it on the other platforms? I think because it would. I, I'd imagine you'd make more money in oh, the yeah. long run from selling that game on other platforms than like, from keeping it to hmm. yourself, especially if you're not obsessed with selling console hardware to people, which they don't seem to be. You're right. That is tough math, though. Um, yeah, I'm not. Sure. I don't know. Like, I, I think we we need some internal research yeah, from them for sure. But like, I guarantee that's something they're looking at. Oh yeah, absolutely, and they should. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if in a more traditional console age, it doesn't make sense at all. Um, because you want people to buy your console so that they buy games for your console, and you keep making those royalties on that those software sales. But like right. you said, the way Microsoft is handling its business now. That's not really how it operates. It just wants people to be in its system, giving it X amount of dollars a month. Um, and I don't know how much weight something like that would give to that service, but it's hard to imagine that someone paying $10 to play that plus everything else for a month is somehow going to overwhelm a game selling another 7 million copies on PlayStation 5. I just... The other thing, too, is that... So, you're playing the next Elder Scrolls game on PlayStation 5. When it boots up, does it say Xbox Game Studios? You know, it's there's all this crazy stuff to consider, and if that is the case, and that does happen, there's some value in that. In people playing their PlayStation 5 and seeing this game that they love... Yeah. That says Xbox do, Game Studios. They could even do the you know the Ubisoft thing where like okay you're gonna you're gonna be able to play Elder Scrolls Six on PlayStation Five, but Xbox Game Studios pops up along with the other logos. And if you wanna you know if you wanna do you do the, you create an Xbox account. I mean they could also do the thing where log in and like get yeah. some bonus thing or like sign you know like just like Warner Brothers does you get a special Batman outfit. I mean, you log into your WBID. Like you can do that too. Like you get them in the ecosystem. One you way could. Or the other. You're right, and you could even do stuff where, like, you just don't put out the DLC for the PS5 version or whatever. I mean, it's, you hold all the cards, so you can set it up however you want to make sure that your Xbox customers are getting what you feel like their value should be, and you're you still can, trying you to grow your business. So dirty with that. You could be. Oh like, yeah. Okay, no, no DLC on the PS5, but if you if you get an Xbox. You'll, you're save and all this. You can you can still play this game without buying it all over again, and you can get the DLC over there. Yeah, because your save is in our cloud, and we can yeah. take that save from our cloud and zap it right into your console when you get your and console. You don't need to buy it again because we got you on Game Pass. Yep, and you could just download that, and all you need to do is buy the DLC. Yep, I mean, like, or you can do that on PC. Just transition over to our ecosystem on PC. Like it's it, they could you could get so nasty with that. It, it, it's. Because it's so tempting. It is. It's so hard to say what the right move is, though. I mean, they'll know better than us because they have all that information, but... And people, I'm sure there'll be complaints about, oh, I don't know. No matter what. Yeah. But you know (laughs) what? There is a outside possibility that you might get to play Starfield and Elder Elder Scrolls 6 on a PS5 or a Switch 2 
and th this is the only company buying Bethesda where that would happen. That's absolutely right. Nintendo if Nintendo bought, bought it, Sony bought it, stuff, you would never yeah. see their stuff on other platforms, ever. No. And you know what? That, to me, is something that Microsoft has done over the last couple of years that I have to give them a commendation for because it's not easy to do, and they sat and watched their two biggest competitors not do it, and they have stuck to their guns. So... Microsoft, who would ever thought that Microsoft would end up being the most consumer friendly of those three? <laughs> that's yeah. pretty crazy when you think about it. But that's really what's happened. I mean, as far as this generation is concerned, Microsoft is undoubtedly the most consumer friendly. But it needs yeah. to be because it doesn't have the software uh, to generate sales the way it would want to without being so consumer friendly. So, yeah. And it had to learn that lesson of humility at the beginning of this generation. Yep, absolutely. So. It did. So um, no matter what, this is huge news for Microsoft, just gigantic, regardless of whether stuff is like a, you know, delayed on PS5 or day and date with PS5. The bottom line is this still helps the profile of Xbox. And you got to remember, too, Xbox may start with one policy. It may start with, yeah, sure, we'll put everything out on PS5. It may change its mind very quickly. And all of a sudden, those games that you were thought you were getting on PS5, you're not getting. And then we'll have to hear you guys complain and whine and moan again. So it's a, it's a fluid situation. This literally just happened yesterday. I'm glad that we were able to record this today when it's still fresh and hot. Though I do, in some ways, wish we could have waited a couple more days to kind of see how all this stuff shakes out. Because I think information will continue to come out about this that will make the situation more clear. But bottom line is... There is no denying this is the biggest shot of the Generation 9 mm -hmm. console war. This is... Well, they're also, they're still hinting that they're going to buy more. Right. That this is not the end of it. Um, Which is insane because yeah, they just spent $8 billion. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a a pet suspicion, and it wouldn't probably wouldn't be immediately because you spent $8 billion, like you said. Yeah. Um, by the middle of this generation, I will not be surprised if Microsoft owns Sega. I wouldn't either. They've, they, look, it's a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. I, Xbox has been trying to break into Japan since the original Xbox. It, yeah. it does make sense. It totally does. Um, so I'm, I, I'm I sure hear. Sega would like some money. Uh. I mean, I, is, the crazy part is I cannot think of. You know what the crazy part of that is, though? If they did that, Persona's an Xbox game. How weird in a roundabout that? way, yeah, because Sega, Cause, cause, yeah, because they own Atlas. That's right. So that's true. Persona would pers again, Tensei yeah, it would be a huge help for them in Japan, without a doubt. I mean, at least it would keep them from flatlining at launch, like it yeah. usually you does. Have, having having to buy an Xbox to play <laughs> Sonic. Uh, like, I mean, I think Persona is even more of a deeper cut oh, if you're sure. Japanese. Like, like, can you imagine I mean, being Sonic Japanese is... and being forced to buy an Xbox to play Persona? I mean, I think of Sonic as a pretty universal character. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he's a Sega, Sega console character that got just, you know, kind of was forced away out of his home and to all the various platforms because Sega dissolved as a console manufacturer. But I'm sure there's a ton of people that have grown up playing that on a Nintendo platform or on a Sega, a Sony platform yeah. that would be weirded out. To, I mean, I don't even own it. I think I don't even own any Sonic games for Xbox. I don't either, I don't think. No, I have so, Sonic 06 for Xbox. <laughs> the I worst one. For 360. Yeah, that's true. that's true. That is the only one, though. I uh, hear you. Precedent. I hear you, though. Um, can you think of, other than Take-Two slash Rockstar Games, can you think of another acquisition that would have moved the needle more? I don't think EA would do it. I don't think probably not. Maybe Ubisoft. Maybe. I mean, Ubisoft would would have, but Ubisoft would have been 
Because you're talking about Elder Scrolls. I mean, I don't know if there's anything bigger than Elder Scrolls. I mean, Cyberpunk may end up becoming, and maybe Witcher. See, like Elder Scrolls is an interesting thing because, like, I mean, ESO does well, but like, and they did confirm that ESO will continue on all platforms. That's right. There's no plan for that. But um, Elder Scrolls is interesting because, like, it's a it's obviously a hit. Skyrim is huge, but I most of the people I know that love Skyrim don't even know it's called Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Like they don't even realize it's right. part. It's five just Skyrim, or yeah, or it's Morrowind, or yeah, right. So, so the subtitle will be most important, but yeah, the Elder Scrolls thing is an interesting question because we don't. It's going to be so long. You know, I think I don't think it's going to be twenty twenty five minimum before we play Elder Scrolls six. Yep, agreed. Yeah, that's. We have much, how much weight? I mean, look at Bethesda in general. Whole, how much weight is there right now? Not a lot. Right. <laughs> because and, uh, we still got Starfield still what? a couple years away. Elder Scrolls is... Skyrim was what, 20, 2011? Yeah. Is yep. that right? Yep. So we're, we're looking... It might be 15 years between Elder Scrolls. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, look, here's the thing. Bethesda Even needs Kingdom to... Hearts 3 had more shit in between them than yeah. that. I mean, Bethesda's that, got to step it up, man. Like, they're... Yeah. Look, they're not privately owned anymore. Like... They have overlords now. There's a lot yeah. of things that Bethesda has been doing that it's going to have to change. Produce. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, Microsoft will help with all that. The resources yeah. that they'll have there, the libraries, <laughs> the engine resources, all that. Uh, also, they the did door, say, the too. You're just going to open and Steam's going to pour in and Rod Ferguson is going to strike <laughs> in. And be like, all right, boys, let's get a game made. Yeah. Um, you got a Bioshock Infinite, this Starfield thing. Like, it's... Uh, but I mean, for sure, like they they do necessarily. I mean, I'm I'm not saying they're as bad as Star Citizen or anything. Yeah. But like, there does seem to be that element of like, what is going on? So long? There. Yeah. And and then yeah. it comes out and it's the same fucking engine, it's I the know. same problems, the same. Well, you know, like I'm sure you saw Matt. And it's just like, yeah. Todd Howard yeah. did say brand new engine for both Starfield and Elder Scrolls. Finally. Yeah. So that's good news. Uh, but anyway, Megaton. I don't say Megaton very often because it's overused in the gaming yeah, industry. But this is sure a freaking Megaton. It is gigantic. Yeah. Um, to know that Microsoft isn't done yet, it, that just makes it all the more interesting. Uh, but this is a big move that should absolutely make a difference in Generation 9. Um, I it, wish it had happened on Wednesday, though, because then it would have been the Wednesday ton. Right. <laughs> you remember that I, I do. Yep, I absolutely do. So anyway, uh, that's our final topic for episode 229. We do have a big Q&A set up for you guys because I asked you guys to submit questions on the website and on Twitter, and you guys came through. Uh, Before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsor. Do you live life outdoors? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a nice level lot just outside of Libby, Montana. That's perfect for you. With access to Crystal Lake via shared dock and boat ramp, it's an ideal location to build the getaway home of your dreams or just park your RV. Enjoy fishing, paddleboarding, kayaking, boating, and more just a few steps away. It can be yours for just $72.5. No matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. Even if you're not looking for property in Montana, he can connect you with local realtors in your area who can help you. If you want to see more, head over to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty. Uh, As I say every week, let's keep the money in the family. If you're a sifter and you're looking for property or a house or anything, get in contact with him. He can help you no matter where you live. Again, let's keep the money in the family. Uh, First question comes from Derek D111. He asks, 
Will Microsoft tell Bethesda proper to hurry up with their releases? We actually just kind of talked about this. Yes, I think I they think, will. I think they will. Yeah. I think they, would, I think they would at least like uh, Elder Scrolls Six before the end of the generation. Yeah, there's no way they're going to let Bethesda get away with taking 12 years to develop games anymore. It's just not going to happen, even though like Pete Hines from Bethesda said that Nothing's changed for us. We're still our own thing, and they're going to let... We'll see about that. Creatively, I'm sure, but in terms of actual like deliverables, I bet there will be some more concrete milestones. There's going to be some visits to the Death Star before it's all said and done, guaranteed. Uh, Next, from OTAPS, or OTT Apps, uh, who had the better or worse pre-order strategy for consumers out of Sony or Microsoft? Can you think of any protocol systems or ideas that might improve pre-orders in the future? and make it any fairer and more reliable? Um, is it down to Sony or Microsoft, retailers, or both? Great question. Um, I don't know that we have an answer for it. We tried no, to figure it out. I do, I do think most of the pro- difficulties on this were retailer-focused. Um, you know, the website's not working properly. Uh, yeah. Going live too early with the PS5. Yeah, just not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah, like there's more coordination is maybe needed, but at this and the other thing, and maybe this is impossible because they don't know yet because you don't know until the factories have spun up and done all this stuff. But it seems like you definitely they definitely need to communicate more clearly to the retailers how many they're getting, how many they're getting, and when they should put them on sale. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, there's only so much you can do with that. I have another. I have a, so GameStop was the one who broke first. And I have a feeling that GameStop was just like, you know what? This is probably the last time we're ever going to sell a PlayStation console, so F it. Like, I yeah. just think they were like... They have a lot to lose. Yeah. I mean, they're like, the PlayStation 6 probably is just going to be some dongle that you plug into a USB port. So what, what do we care? And also, you really think GameStop's still going to be around? Yeah, I mean, like that's it? the other thing. They won't even be around. All bets are off for them at this point. They're just trying to keep their head above water, so... Um, yeah, I don't think we were able to come to an answer, although I would say any way that they can figure out how to get rid of bots. That, to me, job one. If they can mm-hmm. figure out how to stop bots from pre-ordering crap, it will change everything for the better. So somebody out there, get on that. Somebody will figure it out. Then these retailers can license it from you, and then launch days for everything will be better forever. Uh, next up from Neo JD. Now that Xbox bought Zenimax, has the tune about Phil Spencer changed? Oh, I think this one's directed at me, Matt. Yeah. Uh, it's finally clear he's delivered on building Xbox back up. Sure, exclusives may take time to materialize, and Bethesda's games might still be multi-platform, but Xbox with Game Pass is just crazy now. I agree with that, um, that Xbox with Game Pass is crazy now. However, I... I disagree with who should get the credit necessarily for where Microsoft is right now. Uh, Phil Spencer didn't write that check for $7.5 billion. Uh, there are people who are much higher up the chain who had to vet that uh, that sale, okay the sale, and then write the check for the sale. So I'll say this, though. Look, we we tend to blame the figurehead when everything goes wrong. So maybe we should give more credit to the figurehead when things do go right, even if they're not responsible for it. So I guess from that perspective, I can understand where you may be coming at me that way. Um, As far as do I regret saying that Phil Spencer should have been fired like two years ago? No, he should have been fired back then. It took him two years to get it to where it is now, and it's still not great. Let's be honest. 
it's going to be another two or three years until it is where it is. So no, if he and even then we won't know until we won't know until then if it even worked. Yeah. So look, if he had actually started this process back when I said he should probably be canned, we'd be in the money right now, bro. The games would be here now. If he had bought all those studios and bought Bethesda two years ago, we'd be having a completely different conversation about Generation 9. We just would. And we're not, because he did it. It took him too long. So, look, I really struggle to give credit to people for fixing problems that they created. That seems to be a very common thing in our society lately. I really screwed up, and I caused a problem, but I'm going to fix it now, and you better give me credit for fixing it. That is garbage, and that has been happening. Our president is the king of that. He causes a problem, then comes in and tries to fix it and tries to take credit for it. No, that's not how it works, and that's not how it's going to work with Phil Spencer for me either. So I do give him credit. He has turned around Xbox at least a little bit. Um, he has improved in his position since two years ago when I felt like he should be fired. So I will give him that credit, but as they say, it takes a village, and it's not just him. I mean, you did you did talk about like buying Bethesda two years ago. I would argue that Bethesda wouldn't have been for sale. That's possible. Two years ago. Yeah. I do wonder. It did that. Yeah, that comment made me wonder, like, what the breaking point was on Bethesda, where, where Bethesda right. finally said, "Okay, like, yeah, well, we'll, 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 we'll entertain buyer offers at I, this point." I, My guess would be Fallout seventy six. Yes. But, <laughs> I mean, just look at Bethesda's last two years, Matt. It's been rough. Yeah. I mean, they put out good games, but nobody buys them, and no one cares. So. Other than Doom, mm-hmm. like you look I, at like Dishonored like 2 Seven, and Prey. I mean, and 76 was supposed to be like the piggy bank for the next yep. few years, and it, it didn't work out that way. And now they need yeah, a lifeline. Change the direction. Yep. Here's a good one from the Surly Mexican. Uh, which Bethesda game should Microsoft allow to be on other consoles, and which, which ones should they keep exclusive to the Microsoft e- ecosystem? I mean, we did talk about that a bit. A little I, bit. I, I think that's more of a, a question of like, of money like it's hard to figure out if you're going to make if basically you got to figure out if you think starfield and elder Scrolls 6 are going to do skyrim numbers yep pretty Um, much and if they are it's probably more lucrative to have it on everything agreed um something like prey or dishonored might be more of a nice boutique xbox exclusive thing Yep, because you're going to sell your three or four million on your platform instead of spreading them out like 1.5 on each platform, you might as well give people incentive to buy your platform. Yeah, I agree. The inevitable, uh, the inevitable Doom crossover in the Halo Infinite multiplayer mode. Keep that on Xbox, I'd say. Yep. Uh, last question. This comes from at OCDM4. He or she asks, do you think Microsoft will try to buy one of the Japanese game publishers? Again, we can't answer this already. Which one would make sense for them to buy? Matt, you were all over it already. Yeah, I mean, Sega. My, my guess would be Sega. I don't. I can't really think of Sega. Any Sammy, ones. actually, now it is. Yeah, I can't think of anyone that would be like equivalently useful. Microsoft I mean, may not want to get into the pachinko business, but no. Um, <laughs> me, you could probably separate that. You out. could. Yeah. Um, you I mean, could I sell that some off. people saying from software, but they're already owned by a conglomerate, so I don't. Yeah. I don't think that would work. Um, I mean, Capcom. I mean, I guess you could buy Capcom. You could buy Namco. Um, I would rather buy Capcom, though. I don't want Namco Bandai's, like, 
licensed crap. I just no, don't. You want not. your own IP that you own. You don't want to make all your money on other IP. It might be a big enough company that it would be unfeasible to because yeah. you'd have to buy Namco from Bandai. Right. That's true. Um, yep. That would be complicated. How crazy would it be um, if Namco became its own thing again someday? Yeah. Instead of being a part know. of some mashup. I mean, like Capcom probably makes the most sense outside of yep. Capcom might make more sense than Sega. It does because uh, it makes Western games or games yeah. that sell in the West way more than Sega does. Um, but on the flip side of that, they're trying to get inroads into Japan. I don't know if that market even matters anymore, Matt. It's so small now. But that's one way to yeah. do it. You know, getting in with Sega, that could help. I think that Sega would help more with that, I guess I would say. Yeah, in Japan probably. Than Capcom would. I mean, really, it's getting Atlas in that situation that would... That in Japan, would, big time. In, get the Japan market. Absolutely. Uh, over a barrel more than anything else, really. Yeah, and I would say after Capcom, I'd probably say... Second most likely, Square. Yeah, Square Enix, because they also yeah. have great Western games or games that at least the Westerns are interested in. And yeah, like that's I a bet, big step. I bet you, if you're Microsoft, like sure, it'd be nice to have Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior, uh, Dragon Quest under your under your belt, but you're taking a look at that. You got you got Marvel you know, license in there. You yep. got uh, Crystal Dynamics. You got you got some. You got Deus Ex. I bet I bet Microsoft would like to get a shot at Deus Ex. I bet they could turn that into something in Probably. a way that Square Enix never managed to. It's possible. Um, so there's a lot of possibilities, but at the same, then you you start to wonder about like, okay, who's left? Like you're really <laughs> exactly you're really like consolidating a lot of 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 IP and brain power under one roof already. Yeah. I mean, do we want Microsoft to do more of this? I don't know I that mean, I, I do. Know. Like I don't know. It's, I think I'm cool. If it comes <laughs> like, down to like the question of it's like a Obsidian thing. It's like it comes down yeah. to like. Does Microsoft buy them or they go away? Like, yeah, Microsoft buys. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But like, does Capcom need to be bought right now? No. no. Like, yeah. Capcom's fine, yep. which would probably be the biggest obstacle to that acquisition in the first place. Yeah, that's um, true. I think I think Microsoft has a pretty darn good stable of development teams. Hell right yeah! Now. And I I think before they start yeah. throwing more money at new new toys, they should see what these they should play with their the toys yeah. they own already. Absolutely. All right, so there you go. That's Game Phase 229. I, I don't have a timer, but I've, I believe that this show has gone way over. <laughs> and it's 1080p, so it's going to be a long process uh, for, us, for us to get this out to you guys. But anyway, uh, we just want to make sure we're getting episodes out to you folks. This is a big time of year, and uh, even though we're having problems with our TriCaster right now, uh, we're going to buckle down and just get episodes to you guys however we can. Uh, if you're listening to Game Face out on the wilds of the internet, maybe you're on Stitcher or iHeartRadio or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or anywhere, and you love the show and you're getting three hours plus of entertainment out of every, out of every week and you want the show to keep coming, head on over to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. And kick us a couple bucks a month if you want to keep this show coming. Um, we got oh, one more one more plug before we go. Sure. Uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw is out now on Xbox, PlayStation 4, and Steam. Used to be Epic Store exclusive. Yeah. Uh, so if you have not played that and you like X-Wing and Wing Commander and those kind of games, go check out Rebel, Re- uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. It's great. And it's by a, a really scrappy little indie team. Uh, Matt's Black Horse Gate Goaty pick from last yes. year. Yep. Loved so. it. And now it's out on game. other platforms. So and check I it bought out. it again on Xbox. Like I'm, I'm here to support the the games I like uh, to keep getting them made. And uh, if you, if, particularly if you haven't played it and you were waiting for Epic Game exclusivity to end, uh, go get that thing on Steam. It's really great. Yep. 
Um, and if you don't want to leave YouTube, I know a lot of you people are like that. You like to stay in YouTube's uh, ecosystem. You can now subscribe to Sifted on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash Sifted Games. And there's a button there where you can join and you'll get Game Face and Pactor Factor and all other content day and date with our patrons. Um, also, if you're interested in following us on Twitter, you can follow Sifted Games at Sifted Games. If you are following the show on any of these podcast services, you want to know when the stream might go live or when the archive of an episode is up, you need to follow us there. And as I said earlier, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire, and you can find Matt on Twitter at MKyle. That's K-E-I-L. So on behalf of Matt and our non-existent TriCaster TD, Game Face is up and out.